All right, welcome to another week of the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Stack in here alongside my good friend and co-host Travis Krenz. Uh Travis, it was a pretty eventful week last week, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I'll say that. A lot of, a lot of things happened uh, in this country. A lot, of, a lot of sports things happened. Yep. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of news. Yep. Seems like every week a lot of news seems to happen. Yep. Um, yeah. A lot of things to talk about, as always. There's never a shortage of things to talk about. No, there is not. Uh, first off, let's start with the weather as we do. It's going to be a warm week oh, yeah. this week. Uh, mid, mid to upper 60s, maybe some low 70s in the St. Cloud area. That'll be nice after uh, it was a cool weekend, but a nice fall weekend here. What's the weather looking like in Mitchell for this week? Yeah, we got about upper 70s, near 80 today. A little brisk, a little windy. It was uh, cool and cloudy and windy there last week, but yeah, we're looking at uh, upper 70s and 80s here pretty much the entire week. So yeah, it's uh, very nice, very nice weather. It is, and uh, what do I see? Uh, State golf and uh, boys' state golf and women's state tennis. is uh, The tournaments are already happening uh, in the Black Hills. Is that correct? Where the hell did you pull that from? Uh, that is correct. That is correct. But I don't wow. I don't. I don't know if you want me to reveal where I saw this from. Oh, oh, I know where you saw it now. Yeah. I know where you saw it from now. Pond, I just, let it. me just ponder. I didn't I didn't mean to it just scrolled and I you know, I was just on Facebook, I see the I see the post, I'm like, Oh, that's see, that's interesting. See, that's all you had that's all you had to say, and I know who you saw that from. That's all you had to say. Now I know who you saw that from. So, uh, uh, I'm sure he'll be there because that's what he does. He does that for whoever he works for. Yeah. South Dakota Public so, Broadcasting, I believe. Oh, yes. How they, yeah, great uh, great operation they run there. What? Obviously, by who they employ to what? do that. So, Why? Um, yeah, what? they wrap that up in great, yeah, great weather for, uh, for the golf and the tennis. What? So, couldn't, uh, couldn't ask for much more double-A tennis, which are double-A golf. Boys golf is in Sioux Falls, and the, the tennis and the Class A golf is out in West. So you couldn't, uh, you couldn't ask for a much better weather. Why is it, it, is it, it seems so early. I mean, it's the first week in October. Is this, is it normal, is, is the, are the tournaments yeah. normally this time of the year? I would have thought maybe it would have been more closer to the middle of October. Yeah, that's normal for the uh, first okay. kind of week, first week of uh October there they wrap up the tennis and the golf and try to get it. And while the weather is warm, those are the first think tennis and golf, yeah, they're the first two sports to to wrap up. So yeah. It does seem early. Also soccer, soccer they start their playoffs uh, here this week. Okay. And uh, they'll be in their championships here in about oh ten ten days, two weeks from now. So yeah, your your first fall sports are concluding. It is awfully early, but that's that's the way it works when you're up north. I just I didn't know if maybe COVID had pushed that up a little bit. No. I just thought it was incredibly early to do it in the first week of October. Yeah. But um, such is life. Uh, do we want to talk the good Minnesota sports team or the bad Minnesota sports team to start? There's a I don't know the good one played badly and the bad one played better. Okay. Well, you start with the Twins since that's a playoff game and their season is over. Okay, yeah, let's do it here. In a week four victory at Houston. Crins, this is the like the most disappointing. I I don't even know if it's disappointment anymore. I'm done with the. I like I'm gonna. 
of course, I'm gonna. I'm a Minnesota sports fan. I'm gonna cheer for the Twins. They are my favorite baseball team. Uh, the Padres are right now a close second. The Rays would be third. Uh, the Marlins and Pirates are up there as well. Uh, even the Royals, to a certain extent, I like cheering for these shit. The Royals, I like cheering for the shit teams. And plus, the father-in-laws, uh, you know, grew up, at, uh, you know, had family in Kansas City, so I kind of have to. Uh, have Kansas City in there a little bit, but the, the primary teams, of course, we're on the Padres uh, bandwagon here uh, with uh, Fernando Tatis and everything. We'll get to him in a moment, but Krenz, I, it doesn't matter anymore what the Twins do in the regular season. Uh, I will. I always hope that they will win the division. I think they have the talent to do that here for the foreseeable future, though the Chicago White Sox are certainly going to be in consideration for it and, and fight them for it for the next you know, five, six, seven years, maybe longer or so. But when it comes to the playoffs, there's just no reason to even consider hoping that the, that the Twins will come through and win until they actually do. Because last week was as embarrassing of a performance by the Minnesota Twins as you could possibly imagine. It's, it was worse than anything we've seen them play you know, against the Yankees. And stuff, and that's more of a, like a, a psych, that's a heavier psychological toll and impact uh, playing that team than it is the Astros. Uh, but last week was the worst that I think I've ever seen them hit, and I it, it, maybe it's that postseason toll. It's 18 uh, straight losses now in the postseason. It's the longest out of all four professional sports leagues in North America. It is an absolute embarrassment. Um, I don't know. Maybe my feelings are a little stronger than yours, but it, it left me disgusted and just like, okay, I there's no sense in getting my hopes up for the Twins in the postseason until they actually prove they can do it. I think this is how I felt when the Vikings lost to the Saints. I'd seen enough. I'd say, fuck this team. I got invested in the Vikings. They're not going to do it. They're not going to win these playoff games. I think that's kind of how I felt. Okay. It was, yeah, it was very disappointing. I mean, they should, like I said last week, it would be very disappointing if they did not beat this team. And uh, they almost did. Came close, at least in game one. Uh, the hitting, they, they, they couldn't hit the pitching. I was very happy with the pitching. I had no complaints about the pitching. The pitching was fine. The pitching was not an issue. Let me ask. Let me ask you on that. Are you were you happy with the starting pitching, the overall pitching, or the bullpen? Because I I wasn't at, like there was just some times where Brocko would you know take a guy out, whether that be like Taylor Rogers or someone who had had a good one two three inning, and then throw someone else in. Like you only pitched twelve pitches. Why not try and throw them out there a little more? So were you happy with the the totality of the pitching? I was happy with it. Only problem I would have with the pitching yeah, was the decisions made by the manager. Uh, Rios should have gone more than five innings. I think mm-hmm. it was five innings, 75 pitches. Mm-hmm. Even more. Um, so that was disappointing. Um, and some of the bullpen moves were overall fine, but there was a couple of instances there that in the end it didn't matter. But um, like in any where one of the games, uh, fourth inning over the round, somebody's in some trouble. So who does he go to the bullpen to? He goes to Matt Whistler, who is who's a fine pitcher, a pitcher, fine pitcher. Um, he's not one of the top four or five guys 
and you're using your top four. Sergio Romo, Tyler Clipper, Trevor May, Tyler Duffy. Those are the four guys I want to see. You should use those four guys before you use anybody else. And uh, Matt Whistler, not among those guys. Plenty good, not one of those guys. So he never did, I don't think he ever did get into the game with that situation. The pitcher got through the inning, they got through five, six innings, whatever, five innings, whatever they did. And they did use their best pitchers, but then he brings in Taylor Rogers in there in the uh, later portions of game two. He gave up another hit, and their inability to not to put to, to not put him in the games at the end there when when he was not having it this season, he did not have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, towards, I mean, you don't put him in in, in a situation at all. I could decide the game. I think at that point it was maybe two to one or something, three to one. Two to one, and he gave up another run to kind of close the door. Not they would have mattered any. So I would say, I mean, the hitting was bad. Uh, Rocco Baldelli, I put him on the hot seat. He's had two very good years, but you cannot do what you've done in the in the playoffs. This is unacceptable to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, I take a quick break, and we take a quick break here. And I'll make a quick call and call you back. Okay. Yep. That sounds good. Should be a good a good stopping point. We can we can pick up from yes, that. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, we'll, All right, I'll about two minutes here. Okay, that sounds good. Okay. All right. Bye. Uh, so we will uh, just talk a little bit here about the Twins. Uh, I mean, it's, it's bad. It it really is. When you consider, uh, and yes, the offense this year was not as good as it was last year, but it was it's more than capable of pulling the load, and, and the bats just went silent. Now, the only good thing, is that the Minnesota Twins bats were better than the Cincinnati Reds, who went twenty, who played twenty-two innings of baseball against the Atlanta Braves and didn't score a run. I mean, it's that that is embarrassing. They wasted a perfectly good performance in Game One by Trevor Bauer, who had twelve strikeouts, like seven and two-thirds innings. They lose in thirteen. Um, not a good situation there for for Cincinnati by any means. But yeah, I mean, if we're looking at at the twins here, um, and I'll bring this up with Crins here uh, when uh, in a minute when he when he calls us back. But um, oh, look at that! Look at there he is. He's right here, as right as I was about to to, to bring in the, my my next point here. Uh, and I kind of I forget it. You you yeah, mentioned I mean, you mentioned Rocco Baldelli uh, being on the hot seat, and I yeah. I don't I was gonna bring this up here a little bit later on, but I'll bring it up now. Um, I don't think that, I mean, he's, he's a young manager. He's one of the youngest managers in the game and he's had two very good seasons in the, uh, in the regular season. Now on five in the postseason. what I would like to see him do is this off season. I would like to see him reach out to managers who have had success in the postseason, see what he can do differently. I want him to reach out to these guys and learn from them, learn about their success. What can he do differently in a postseason series that he that he hasn't done so far through the first two series that he's lost? Uh, whether that be something more with the bullpen. I mean, the hitting-wise, it's really not his fault that the guys can't hit. It's more so... Can't do much about. Them. I mean, Houston's pitching was very good. They they were. I I do blame the Twins though, because the fact that you have bases loaded in the first inning in each of the games and cannot break through with a run is sad. I mean, it's just 
you had a chance to make a statement in each of those games with the way that first inning would play out, and they couldn't do it in either game. Um, so I want Rocco Baldelli. I think he's good enough uh, that if he could just reach out and figure out how to figure out a way, you know, to to do better, you know, with his pitching rotation, whether that be in the bullpen or starting pitching or whatnot. I mean, look what Dusty Baker did, throwing out his game two starter in the in game one in the fifth inning, and uh, the the Twins bats were were shut down. Uh, much like they were all series long, but I want Rocco Baldelli to reach out to some own, to, to some managers and figure out how just learn from them, take the, take their advice, and see if that can help for this next upcoming season and future seasons. I don't think he should be fired, but I want to see some changes with how he approaches the games in the postseason. Because and you even mentioned it during the regular season, you could kind of tell the games that. Baldelli was playing to win based on how he was bringing in pitchers from the bullpen. Uh, that's what I want. I want to see a different plan of attack of uh, with Baldelli in the playoffs in the future. So I'm not ready to give up on him. He's too good to to say no. You're you're done. But I want to see a different approach. Yeah, he's he's been impressive. He's a player's manager. He's very hands off. He lets them do. I mean, they're, they're professionals, and, and he's, you know, a young guy, and he played in the majors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he's a guy that, like, he, he, you guys know what you have to do to get ready. I don't have to tell you, so I like that. I like his approach that way. Uh, I feel like he uses his playoff games too much as regular season games when you, you obviously have to change the way you manage. You, mm-hmm. you saw that with how Houston. Houston used basically, uh, they didn't use any of their bullpen. I think they used one guy for one in game two. Other than that, they used four starters, and they absolutely shut the Twins down. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dusty Baker, he'd lost a whole bunch of games with, with the Nationals uh, in the playoffs, and he'd lost all these games he should have won, and the series clinching, deciding games, he'd lost a bunch of them until he finally won there with uh, Houston last week. So yep. uh, we saw what Houston did when they won the World Series a few years ago. They would use starters out of the bullpen for three, four, five innings apiece, and that was excellent. Um, so... The pieces were in place for the Twins, the pitching, the bullpen was there, and that did fine, but it was, was the hitting. Josh Donaldson wasn't available. Rat, he really wasn't around all year long. Yep. Even when he was, he wasn't any good. Uh, Nelson Cruz wasn't quite himself, even though he's really the only guy that did anything in the series. Yep. I think he had the double in the second game, but he was kind of banged up. I think he had a knee issue late in the year, so they tried to rest him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think changes changes have to be made. Changes are going to be made. Um, I'm looking at the outfield. I'm looking at uh, Kepler, and probably more specifically Rosario. Um, you know, Buxton, and Buxton was hurt again. Mm-hmm. It always happened. He, the, the last month of the season is the best he's ever played Yep, as a Major League Baseball player. The, the power he showed is his, uh, his batting average was, was, was fine. His on-base was not good, but he was having enough power to make up for that. And mm-hmm. He was playing excellent. And uh, a lot of people, it, it's again the thing with him where he's not, I don't think he's ever going to be able to play a full season or mm-hmm. anything close to a full season. We, we, this season was 60 games long. And uh, thankfully it was a, a shortened season and it didn't start till like July or whenever it did. Um, or else he would have missed the start of the season with a shoulder injury from last year. Mm-hmm. That allowed him to get back on time. 
then he like sprains his ankle in one of these exhibition games, so he misses a week or, or so. And then he's out with another thing sometime throughout the year, and then he gets hit in the head with a concussion. And some of these things are not his fault, but you can always count on him to go on the disabled list numerous times during the season. What, what, like the cars. What, with regards it's to Buck. Yep, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. But- with with Buxton with regards to Buxton is he snake bitten with injuries is it lack of conditioning is it just being careless with his body is it a combination of all three what do you think the 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 deal is like he's a very dainty man he's very fast exceptional power this year that was great power to see eight ten home runs whatever it was twelve home runs was great um, if I was him, I would add 10, 15 pounds of muscle, whatever. You have to be more durable. You have to be more reliable. Uh, hopefully, he's seems like he's maybe didn't injure himself in the outfield, run into a wall this year, so maybe that was good. Um, but he just gets injured so much. And I don't know if you need to add more muscle to prepare for a longer season, but for him, it's always something. And I've been an advocate of, of trading him. Like, he, he's an exceptional talent, who's never put it together, and here we are in season six or so of him, and he, a couple of years ago, he had a great month to end of the year, and he had a great end of the month this year, and if you think that's what he's going to be, then okay, then you keep him, and he's a great player, but if you think that's what he's going to be, then you're ignoring the past five years, five, six years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you think he's going to do what he did now, even though there's a lot of past to say, no, he's not that player. Uh, you're assuming he's going to be healthy, which he has not been. So you're assuming a lot of things are going to happen in the future that have not happened yet. Being healthy and being good, um, they could happen. They very well could happen. Um, but I would not bet on that. I would go the other way. So they're not going to trade him because when he's on, uh, he's very good. But uh, I would say Eddie Rosario is not coming back. He's going to cost probably close to $10 million. The salary this year was around $8, $7, 8000000 mm-hmm. And I think you got to get rid of him. Uh, Max Kepler has not shown me anything. He had a very good year last year. Uh, but besides that, he has been a average player, average hitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would get rid of those two. Uh, get pitching or whatever you need. And uh, Alex Carroll was called up. His first major league game was a playoff game. Mm-hmm. Um, this is I don't know if this is a general manager decision or what. But he's somebody I felt like was ready and should have been up sometime this year. Why you call? Like, he's their top hitting prospect. Mm -hmm. Uh, He can play outfield. He's played a little first base. Why you call him up for a playoff game and not during the season while you've got guys like Lamont Wade Jr. in the outfield and Jake Cave in the outfield? But Carroll is better than those guys. I don't know. So trade your core outfielders. Bring up your core outfielders like Alex Kirilov and Trevor Larnich, and we saw Brett Rooker for about a week or so. Have those guys be your new core outfielders and uh, go from there. Do you think they could even interest the Indians in a trade for Francisco Lindor? No, I wouldn't want him. Okay. He, didn't have a, he didn't have a good year. He cost too much. Okay. I would not go that route. Um, hopefully they can resign Nelson Cruz. Mm-hmm. You know, he's at 40-41. You give him a two-year deal this time, I don't know. Really one of the best signings they've ever had. I mean, just ridiculous. Would take $10 million this year, $12 million the year before. This year was somehow less than last year. 
and you factor in you pay him a third of the salary for a third of the season, just a ridiculous value for him. So if they overspend on him, that's fine because he's been exceptional. That's an A-plus signing there. Yep. Uh, Kenton Maeda should finish second in the Cy Young mm-hmm. to, to Shane Bieber. He was an exceptional trade, though so they've really hit on a couple of guys. You have to hope Josh Donaldson comes back healthy. Yep. Uh, Miguel Snow, he's got to figure out how to hit the baseball and not strike out so much. Yep. Because he's got extraordinary power, but similar to Buxton, if you don't play, uh, you can't see how good he is. And similar to Snow, if you don't hit the ball, you can't hit the ball out of the ballpark yep. like he does. So uh, offense was not anywhere close to what it was last year, but they still uh, were a very good team, an above-average team, mm-hmm. a team that should have beat Houston. Mm-hmm. Houston didn't show me anything. They were below yeah, they 500. Plenty but... The, the Astros were below 500 going into the play, the, into the playoffs. Absolutely, they yeah. should have beat them. That Grinky game one starter, he only went like five, four, five innings, and that Grinky's not pitching today in game one, and he's not pitching tomorrow in game two. So just the the, the depth of the Houston staff is pretty good, and we never really got to test the Twins starting pitching depth. Mm-hmm. We got Cleos and Maeda, but we also had uh, Rich Hill, and we also had Michael Pineda. And uh, we never got to saw those guys because they didn't win any games because of the second round. Well, and that's the that's the thing too. I mean, it's it, they play it on a Tuesday and a Wednesday. You know, if you you should try and throw all of your and it, even if they had to play Thursday, you would have Friday, Saturday, Sunday off before you resume your series on Monday. So you'd have you would have your starters available. You could have thrown all of your starters into this series. Kind of like the Astros did because yeah. you have that time off. It's not like you're playing the wild card game and then a, you know two days later, a day later, or whatever, you're playing again. You have that time off. You have that rest. So, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, I I really think Donaldson's going to have a good year next year. Uh, I just kind of chalk everything up, you know, injury wise and stuff. Kind of like what we're seeing in the NFL and stuff to 2020. It's just a weird year. If they can get a normal uh, baseball season in next year, I think Donaldson's going to have a great year. Uh, you can answer this now, or we can revisit this at the end of the play uh, at the at the end of the baseball season. So, well, how, however you would like to 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 answer this here. But the Twins, you mentioned who you'd like to see them maybe trade or get rid of. Who are some of the free agent uh, ac- uh, players that you hope that the Twins make a run at, either in the pitching staff, uh, starting rotation, bullpen, or otherwise uh, positional players? Uh, hitters, wh- who would you like to see the Twins go at, and what's a realistic expectation? Do you want to answer this now, or give it a little thought and revisit it at the end of the season? I, I looked at the list a while ago. I, I don't remember any players, but from what I remember, there were not. It was not a good class. There were not any starters, starting pitchers, or pitching guys that I saw up there that really popped out. Like, oh, I, I'd like to really have them. So. There's, there wasn't anybody that I saw in the free agent market that popped out to me when I looked at it here like a few weeks ago. Uh-huh. Uh, as far as like Nelson Cruz, we talked about him. Trevor yep. May would be the pitcher, I guess. You maybe want to re-sign him. He is a free agent. He was, he's been good for a while. Trevor May uh, would be that big guy. I think Tyler Clippard was only on a one-year deal. I would like him back. I've been wanting him for years, and he was very good for the Twins. I think Sergio Romo, he'll be back too. He's got another year in his deal. So just just solidifying that bullpen a little bit. And uh, I don't know if they have to go get anybody because they got you know, those guys they mentioned. Uh, 
Larnich and Rooker and Carolina uh, to, to bring up, and they've also got some pitchers that I would like to see as well. So I don't know what they, they don't have to make a ton of deals or sign a bunch of guys. I don't think they're going to go nuts signing really anybody at all. Okay. So I think they got, a lot of the guys they got, uh, they, they have to come up through the minors here and they're ready to go. So I'm excited about some of their young, young pitchers and hitters. So I think that's why you can get rid of a Kepler or Rosario. And uh, Ryan Jeffers, this catcher, mm-hmm. um, he was really good. Yep. And uh, Mitch Garver, he was terrible. I think he was hurt for a lot of it. I really don't know even why he was on the roster the playoffs. Um, and that was another move. They, they pinch hit for Ryan Jeffers. They brought in Mitch Garver, which I don't understand that at all. That was a game one move. There's a few moves like that were like, what What are we doing here? So and ultimately, I doubt they matter, but I, do. I, don't, I would not expect the Twins to be a big player. And you, and you look at the big guys we talked about last year. Madison Bumgarner, who I kind of wanted, he, he was awful. And yep. he, he was hurt. Terrible signing so far. Uh, Zach Wheeler, he, I think he had a good year. Um, but 115, 20 million, no banks. Twins got a better picture. Yep. Kent to Maeda, yep. literally a million dollars. So, uh, Twins offseason was excellent last year. Um, I, I assume they won't be as active. He got, he got shit like Homer Bailey. I mean, you signed him. I think he threw five innings or whatever the hell. That was stupid. He wasn't. That was a waste of time signing him. You better give a yet slot to somebody young. Homer Bailey was stupid. Well, uh, Dick, Dick Mountain ain't coming back, great. right? Huh? Dick Mountain ain't coming back, right? I don't know. He's a free agent. He's like 40-41. Um, kind of a rough start, but then he really put it together there at the last month. I, I liked him. I, I wouldn't mind him coming back. I don't think he can rely on him for like 150 innings or 120 innings even, but if they would like to sign him, I would not be opposed to that. So I would I would like him back. And uh, just the unfortunate air by Jorge Polanco in yes. that ninth inning. Yep. That was a big play, and then Romo walks the next guy. And Do you think they win game one if Polanco doesn't get that air? No, because they couldn't score. It would have been to the 10th inning. It's whenever Houston wanted to score, uh, that's when the game was going to be done because this Twins team could do shit with the bats. So I don't think they would have. Um, let, let me ask. And, and, and the, like, you know, Carl Ravitch and whoever Tim Kirchin doing the game. And, and Eduardo, was, Eduardo Perez. Eduardo Perez. Yep. They were fine. They were good. Um but then they were all like, oh, no, Houston, you know, the Astros, they're back now. The regular season was tough and all the, the cheating and all that. But oh. now they're back and they won games and they're a playoff-proven team in this, this horse shit that I, I'm like, no, this team was, it is, it's shit, not, not quite as bad as the Twins were hitting, but pretty goddamn bad. They yep. were one Polanco here away from heading into the 10th inning, basically, in a 1-1 game. Yep. And they sure as hell didn't do a whole hell of a lot more offensively in game number two, so... It's, a, it's that stupid thing of, oh, this team won. Well, let's say all the obvious things that they did. I don't think they did a goddamn thing offensively. Their pitching was excellent. Uh, they're doing a little better offensively here against Oakland now. But, yeah, I, I don't think they're beating Oakland. Do, so. you, do you think if there were fans in the stands, it would have mattered at all? No, I just would have been more disappointed. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's that's right. And I do have faith in the, the Twins' general managers. I do have faith in Rocco Baldelli. I have that they will make the right moves, that something will change, that they'll do good in the regular season, but come postseason, I'm not going to get my hopes up. I'm just not. 
Um, yeah, this is like kind of, kind of year two of Baldelli, and, and you're like three of these general managers, and they've proven that they've got a good track record of, yep. of, of doing well in the off season here. Uh, but they need that next step, and yeah, something's got to change. I think Patrick Royce had a column of maybe the home runs don't work in the playoffs, but like they do, you just have to play well. Yeah. Like, like the point, like, you, you watch these games. There's a ton of home runs in these games. Uh, I, I went through it the other day, and it was 50% of all the runs scored were off of home runs. So, it works. You just have to execute. You just have to to play well. And now these, all these players are kind of snake bit. They went through it last year. They went through it this year. All these players that didn't have this experience, well, now they do. Yep. And now they've got it in their heads that, oh, shit, here we go again. If it's, you know, 0-0 or one nothing in the fifth inning, oh, here we go again. We're not going to score. Mm-hmm. We're going to get runners on. We can't drive them in. We're going to lose 4-1. We're going to lose 5-2. We can't. They, they cannot get that one big hit, that one big home run that they get all season long. They cannot get it. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why. It's very frustrating. I very thought, frustrating. I thought overall in the wild card series that, the, that it was – uh, pitching dominated series. It was a lot of low scoring games. Uh, not a lot of runs scored, and unless you were, you know, game two between the Yankees and Indians, uh, and you know the the Cardinals Padres series. Uh, for the most part, though, I mean, I, I mentioned it while uh, while you were off for a minute there. I mean, the, the only team that played worse than the Twins is the Cincinnati Reds, who didn't score a run in twenty two innings, which is a, a major league baseball record. Uh, I mean, they were just terrible. They wasted a, a completely great start by Trevor Bauer, who had you know twelve strikeouts in uh, seven and two thirds innings. So the Braves advance. They're going to play the Marlins, who I wanted to take last week, and I said, "Show me Marlins, show me something." You you took them, and hey, they they won. They are undefeated in playoff series uh, in their in their franchise history, seven and zero in playoff series which is remarkable. So whenever they make the playoffs, they win the World Series. Now, I think that's going to come to an end, a screeching halt against the Braves. But, I mean, the bottom feeders, as the Philadelphia Phillies manager, or uh, uh, announcing team used in the in the opening week of the of the season when the, the Marlins took two out of three from Philadelphia, called them the bottom feeders. The Marlins have stuck with that ever since. This Marlins team does have some good young talent, I think, that can continue to grow and. Why not them? Don Mattingly has done a great job. He is the shoe-in for NLM uh, Manager of the Year. The Marlins are the feel-good story of the year in Major League Baseball. So I hope that that's a good series between them and the Braves. And then, you know, the Dodgers took care of the Brewers, you know, as we expected. And the Padres had to fight tooth and nail with the Cardinals after a dismal performance in Game 1. But, boy, I mean, when... When that uh, when the, those bats turn on, they turn on in a hurry. It doesn't matter who it is. You know, Fernando Tatis uh, hits a bunch. You know, you have uh, Machado. Uh, Machado. Yep. Uh, the, the the rookie who uh, the rookie second baseman who had a big home run in uh, game in game three there. Uh, Clulumbu. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he's good. I mean, this Padres team is so much fun to watch. It's just going to be a matter of their pitching. Uh, and their their managers uh, from Missouri, a huge Kansas City Chiefs fan, so that kind of makes me want to root for the Padres even more. Uh, they're a fun story. I hope they beat the Dodgers. Uh, they they've beaten them in the regular season. Uh, they can do it again. It's just going to be a matter of the pitching. I think the Dodgers probably win, but I really hope the Padres do. Uh, so from the NL side, what are your thoughts on these two series in the NLDS? 
I get to the Dodgers, like the Braves played well. I hope the Marlins win. Um, yeah, Braves-Dodgers would be the odds-on favorites. Hopefully the Padres get some of their starters who will hurt back. We'll see. Um, the Marlins, I mean, the Marlins really can encapsulate the opposite of the Twins. 2003, they won the World Series. Twins won a playoff game in 04 for the last time, and Marlins went 17 years without being in the playoffs. And like you said, they, they, they've never lost the series. Um, I don't know, may, may as well pick them against the Braves. I think they could beat Atlanta. I don't know if they can beat the Dodgers. I think they can maybe beat Atlanta, a team they're familiar with. So let's go with the Marlins uh, to, to make it one more. But it's just like the Marlins have been there twice and they've won it twice. And they're in here again in a stupid year. And I'm, I'm pretty sure the Phillies didn't play a playoff game uh, last week. So screw the Phillies. And it's, it's the Marlins. Like, all these teams that are never in the playoffs, they're in it, and they just win. Padres are really in the playoffs. They won a series with guys down. Twins, can't do it. Can't do it. The White Sox haven't been in there in a while. Uh, Lucas Giolito almost throws a perfect game, no hitter in game one. Like, all of this shit about all the playoff experience, like, the White Sox have none, and they did fine. Uh, the Marlins didn't had no playoff experience. They won a series. It's so frustrating. It's just more frustrating when you see all of the, the Padres, all of these other teams who are never in the playoffs win, and the Twins, who are in the playoffs quite a bit over the last twenty years, never win. Yep. Keep in mind that the the Braves did put up a twenty nine burger on the Marlins back in September on September ninth. The Marlins actually, you know, looking at this, they did win what uh, four games in this series. I think they they only lost six to four, so that's uh, maybe slightly encouraging. But I mean, the Braves hadn't won a playoff series in a long time. Yep, and they did. So um, yeah, and then on the AL side, you get a hate uh, a couple of very good series. Uh, Rays Yankees. I'm taking the Rays in this one. Uh, yeah. Their their pitching is something else. I get that the Yankees are starting to get healthier now, but uh, the Rays really took it to them in the regular season. So I'm going to take the Rays. And then on this side, I hope the the A's win it. They're down in game one right now to the Astros. We all hate the Astros. There's a lot of bad blood between them and the A's from earlier this season and just you know the playoffs and stuff in general. I hope the A's win, but uh, I think uh, I think it's. Not a foregone conclusion, but whoever wins that Rays Yankee series is going to be the favorites to come out of the American League. So, give, give me the. I think I picked the Yankees at the beginning here. I'm going to just say like, hey, let's go with the Rays. Though I'd love to see the Rays come through with the victory over the Yankees in this series. So tap in Oakland, who got to be at the bottom. I was at the bottom of payroll. Go with them. I think Oakland, I, don't, I think this was maybe the first series, and it's really not even a series, it's three games that they won against the White Sox. I think the first time they've advanced to another round in the playoffs since I don't even know when, not counting the Twins, they beat the Twins in 06, and the Twins beat them in 02. So if you don't count when Oakland plays Minnesota, those two teams haven't won a playoff series in like 30 years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so Oakland, Tampa, uh, let's go with that. And, uh, yeah, Yankees offense, very good. So, they, they have no problem hitting. They have no problem hitting in the playoffs. The uh, the A's are bitching that they had to play three games at noon local time uh, 
in their series against the White Sox and looking at the series how it's laying out uh, this. <laughs> I mean, they're they're playing right now. It's what three thirty local time for them. Uh, they play game two is at one uh, thirty uh, Pacific time. Game three uh, would be you know at uh, noon, you know twelve thirty Pacific. I mean, they're playing all these early games, and they can bitch about it all you want. But at the end of the day, it's about ratings. It's about eyeballs getting on the television. And the A's are not a draw. The Yankees and the Rays, they are a draw. The Padres and the Dodgers, they are a draw. Uh, so the A's can complain about it all they want. But uh, I guess, the, but then again, I guess, you know, they're playing in the bubble right now. And they're playing, uh, yeah, I guess they're still playing in, um, what, Dodger Stadium or whatnot. So, yeah. uh, you know, it, it is still local time for them. But, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, A's, that, that's the way it goes, you know. If you want to, you know, get more of a fan base, you barely have anyone who goes to your games anyway in the ballpark. So shut up. Yeah, noon, one o'clock, four o'clock, seven o'clock. I don't give a shit. I just play the. I mean, I did just play. These are the playoffs. Twins would have been in the spot. Yeah, they would have been playing two, three in the afternoon. Just play the games. Who cares? You know, the Dodgers are going to be a late game. You know, the Yankees are going to be a late game. It's yep. not. You know, the Marlins are not, you know, Oakland isn't. So it's like, whatever. Just just play the games. Yep. Um, okay, so again, to confirm, so I made the switch. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for the Rays, uh, um, Rays A's in the ALCS. Uh, is that, are you going Rays or Yankees? Yeah, I, mean, I think I picked the Yankees and the Dodgers. Okay. Like the Rays and the Yankees, that's the one toss-up series. I think. You know, I think Oakland and the Dodgers and the Braves are probably going to win. They're pretty good favorites, I would think. Uh, but yeah, Tampa and the Yankees. Tampa might be a favorite, but the Yankees are the Yankees. So that would be the one series that's kind of a toss-up. Um, I would prefer to see Tampa and Oakland, um, and that's, that's a tough one. And we would prefer to see, you know, Tampa against San Diego in the World Series, sure. or uh, the Marlins, yeah. or someone. <laughs> Any team, any stupid team, because that's what we like. Yep. It gets rich. Whatever the World Series is going to be, it's going to be weird. It's going to be in in Texas, even if it's Dodgers, Yankees in Texas, or yep. whoever. It's going to be weird. Braves in uh, the Athletics in yep. Texas. It's going to be weird, but uh, they they will allow fans though, so that's the good thing. Yeah, only a ten, twelve thousand fans in this thing for what uh, in Texas. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, baseball was all right last week. It was good. Yep. Uh, so we'll keep track of the baseball playoffs here as they go. I know the players are complaining about being in a bubble, but they they're in it for less than a month. Hockey players and basketball players had to be in it for two, to almost yeah, three months a, for basketball. Have them in for five, three days, four days of that. Yeah. So three, three, four more days. One of them going to get eliminated. It's not a big deal for that. It's ridiculous. So, if they're complaining about that. So they can. And, uh, the, the, in the Cincinnati Reds, they were the worst offensive team, at least average-wise. You mentioned them. They were they were of no threat offensively. Like, I mean, they, yes, pitching great offense. You can't hit, so it doesn't matter. So uh, anyone Trevor, who's... Trevor Bauer, yeah. Trevor Bauer, I think, is out there, so that's your big fish, I think. I bet, I think he, I bet he re-signs with the Reds. I bet the Reds do what I they can. I don't think so. I think... I would, I would. He wants to win something. Go, go to the Cubs. Go to somewhere. Back the around. Brink truck up for him. If you're the Twins, 
Throw him and Maeda uh, together. If you back a Brink, trink, uh, yeah. Brink truck up for Trevor Bauer. Yeah. Uh, he rubs people the wrong way. He does. He's been outspoken. He's, he was very good this year. Probably the Cy Young winner. Um, I read an article of his a few years ago, I think, in Sports Illustrator, where he said at that time he wanted to do... He didn't want a long-term deal. He wanted, like, one-year deals. He wanted to play the rest of his career on one-year deals. Mm-hmm which would be worth more per year than a long deal, so I don't know if he's going to do that or not. So. Well, hopefully he does. Uh, I would love to see the Twins get him, potentially, uh, to those baseball players who are complaining about the bubble. Uh, go to hell. Speaking of hell, Art Bryles, uh, to quote the great oh. Stu Gotts. From the Dan Levitard show. Ah, very good. Uh, very good there. Uh, speaking of hell, uh, Bill O'Brien's been fired by the Texans, uh, the general yeah. manager and head coach. That's because the Texans are 0 4 following a loss to the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday. Uh, Krenz, I'm conflicted about how this happened. You know, I'm, I'm glad that the twin or that the Vikings showed life. I'm glad that they uh, competed and won given all the circumstances from last week. So, I mean, we'll, we'll get to the COVID portion of this here in a moment, but I, I'm glad they competed. I love seeing what Justin Jefferson is doing. He has more yards receiving as a rookie through four games than Randy Moss did. Any, any Vikings rookie wide receiver, more yards than anyone. So, uh, Jeff Jefferson is a star in the making. Uh, it's something that we anticipated. It's why we wanted the Vikings to get him. Thank goodness Philadelphia chose uh, Rager from TCU, who's injured. So uh, go to hell, Philly. And uh, so that's great. At the same time, though, I know now that the, the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes has taken a major blow. But I'm kind of on the, this Trey Lance train here. Uh and I have been, wow. you know, for I don't know, Krenz. I, I I don't think it's more of the Marshall effect. I don't very conflicted about that because I don't want to cheer for a Bison, but I think he has that potential. He didn't play great against Central Arkansas, but did run for over 140 yards and you know had four total touchdowns. Did throw his first career uh, or collegiate interception in that game, but you know if the Vikings are in that position. I would want them to at least consider drafting him. I don't want them to reach for him. This is not a year where you want to reach for a Christian Ponder uh, or like a Jake Locker or Blaine Gabbert thing. This is not that sort of year. You know, if the Vikings are in the 8 to 10 range, I think that maybe this is uh, someone that you could. Yeah, I think Trey Lance would be someone that they would want to draft. But I think the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes are kind of out at the moment. We'll see. But. Uh, Again, I think I'm going to feel this way regard uh, with how the Vikings play and win uh, week in and week out. They're playing the Seahawks this week, so that's a, a given loss right there. With how well Russell Wilson is playing, he's uh, playing at an MVP level, like your boy Josh Allen is with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, so as long as the Vikings compete, it's great. I don't know how the season's going to go, but they didn't fold in the tent. And given everything that transpired this last week, I was very happy to see them come away and they, it was a well-earned victory especially considering that Harrison Smith got ejected in the second quarter yeah I didn't feel any different like compared from the win versus the loss last week against the Titans yeah, like, I, I, wasn't, yeah. I wasn't any happier I wasn't any sadder yep I like they played yep. I watch them 
they've been fairly entertaining last two weeks. Okay, we go, we play next week. It's like, it's a thing that's on that I watch, and all right, it's over with, all right, you go on with the rest of your day. Um, yeah. Her cousins played, played, played fine. Yeah, the receivers were excellent. I saw Pro Football Focus as Jefferson at number one, Dylan at number two for other graded receivers thus far. And Dalvin Cook is number one. Dalvin Cook is number one. So they, they've got it all there. They've got it all. They just need a better quarterback. Defense defense getting better. Defense getting better somehow. Yep. So that's good. I think Gladney's uh, I think Gladney's gonna play okay. He made some plays yesterday at a breakup on a ball once. He's gonna get beat, but I think he's got the tools to be a very good um, cornerback for the Vikings. Harrison Smith, I was okay with him getting ejected. I mean, you see the replay. It's like, just don't, don't spear folks with your head. Like, just stay straight up. Don't. Mm-hmm. Like, there was no reason to do that. The guy was already kind of going down. He could have gave him the shoulder, but don't bend your neck down. Don't bend your head. Like, don't do that. Mm-hmm. I was unfortunate he was out, but don't do that. So, I, I didn't think they'd win, but they did. I thought sure shit. I didn't think they'd win that game until it was over with. When Houston had that final touchdown, I'm like, yeah, they'll get this touchdown, they'll go for two, they'll make that, they'll win this game in overtime, and that'll be it. But uh, that that was uh, probably the right call on them. The touchdown they, they yep. took away, that was close, but probably ego either way. But um, yeah, it was. They said no. I could see that being a no. Yep. So. Uh, yeah, Justin Jefferson, like, if I could have taken any receiver in this draft, I would have taken him number one mm-hmm. uh, more than anybody. And, I don't know, I think he's the best. I thought he was the best coming in to the deal without ever seeing him play uh, in an NFL game. And first couple games didn't do anything. Last couple have been excellent. And um, so, so far, so good for him. Like, he's been the best uh, rookie wide receiver. Um, yes. Joe Burrow's kind of probably going to be the rookie of the year, but Jefferson's. Jefferson's good. Cook is good. Thielen is good. My cousins played. I, cousins he didn't do anything dumb, but I I think it was last year. Like his passer rating when pressured was like the best in the league, which which is what it, whatever it is. But it seems like he he's so bad. He's so bad at handling pressure. He's so bad at like just throw the ball away, or so bad at sensing the pressure. I don't know if that's just me, but I I hate him. I hate him when he's in the pocket mm-hmm. and he gets sacked. I don't know if that's me, but it, it feels like he doesn't handle the pressure all that well, yeah, even though his yeah. pass rating was, I think, the best of anybody last year facing pressure. I, I just don't. I think that's the sentiment of a lot of Vikings fans there. Um, I, I Honestly, I like Brock Heward as an analyst. Uh, I watched, you know, I... Yeah, I, I've heard him do college football for many years. Uh, I like him there. Chris Myers had some issues. Uh, Greg Jennings is okay, but Brock Heward's, Brock Heward's good. I think they got a rising star on the NFL side there uh, for Fox. Uh, the Cowboys uh, almost pulled off another epic comeback, but the, the Cleveland Browns are 3-1 and one now. Uh, I did a, a look just at the quarter poll here. I have not... Uh, if New England... Falls to when they fall to two and two after their loss to Kansas City on Monday night. I will have nine teams pegged exactly right for their records through the quarter poll of the season. Now, not necessarily, uh, you know, like maybe I had them winning a different game than what they won and losing one, but um, you know, so far the teams, the the teams that stick out, Seattle, I have them as undefeated, and I had Houston winless. So 
those at Detroit one and three, that uh, that happened. So, uh, well, we'll see what happens there. But through the quarter poll anyway, um, I think that, you know it's some teams are surprising. Uh, Cleveland being three and one is a surprise. Dallas being one and three is incredibly surprising. Their defense is terrible. They should be zero and four. Um, but uh, I. I picked the Browns for the playoffs. I didn't feel good about it after week one, but uh, it, it's a long season to go, but they've done okay so far. Yeah, Browns made me uh, finally. Maybe, you know, Kevin Stefanski, the offense looks like, uh, maybe people thought the offense was going to look like last year, and they nearly gave it away. I, I would say Dallas, if you want to watch an entertaining game, they seem to be the best bet as far as you're going to get your money's worth. If, yep. you play, if you watch the Cowboys, good God. Yep. Um, you know, I, I would really like their quarterback. I think he'd, he'd look great. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what, why they don't want him, but I would, uh, by all means, sign him up. So first quarterback um, in NFL history with 450 plus passing yards or more in three consecutive games. That's really good. Um, some of it's kind of been the situation of being down all the time and trying to come back, and but. And he, he's been really good. It's not his fault. So, nope. I don't think everybody likes him. The Cowboys lose. So yep. Uh, what happened the last week with the NFL is what we, I think, it was a, a large concern. It, a concern in sports in general with COVID. Uh, but the Tennessee Titans had a bunch of positive tests last week, and it kept growing as the week went on. Monday uh, was the first day uh, that they did not have any positive tests. And we'll see if that continues throughout the week. But their game against Pittsburgh got moved to Week 7. The Ravens' bye week in Week 8 uh, got moved back to Week 7. So the Ravens-Steelers game is now Week 8. Uh, all this stuff that happened. Uh, the NFL has uh, had a meeting with coaches, general managers, and owners uh, on Monday and read them the Riot Act, uh, saying that they will consider forfeiture of games and loss of draft picks if protocols are not followed. What's amazing is that the Vikings did not have one positive test. Uh, Hopefully that continues here. We know symptoms can sometimes take up to a week, you know, seven to ten days. So hopefully the Vikings have escaped uh, the worst of it. But uh, that's that's a positive. Then you had Cam Newton test positive on on Saturday for the Patriots. The the Chiefs uh, practice squad quarterback he tested positive as well. So their game got pushed back from Saturday to Monday, and that's because no other positive tests happened. I you know, who knows what's going to happen with the NFL, but it would seem to me you know like you know John Gruden's a dumb shit and doesn't uh, have his mask on all the time. He's going to get fined for that, uh, maybe even suspended. It, I mean, there are some teams that are doing it right. There are some teams that aren't doing it right, like the Raiders. I don't know if the Titans did anything wrong, or they, maybe they were snake-bitten. Uh, the NFL is reviewing the situation to make sure protocols were followed, but this was a scary week for the NFL and for those fans that are wondering if a season is going to, uh, a, a full season is going to happen or not. Uh, I don't know I don't know if this is just a blip on the radar. I don't know what the NFL and NFLPA can do. I heard that they have agreed to some additional protocols, but not going full on towards like staying in hotels at this time. Whatever happens, uh, we'll see. But 
I fear that we're going to be seeing this here another week like we had last week in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, it was interesting to see how they handled that. Um, what was with the plane? They had two separate planes from New England to Kansas City, and yep. like 20 of them were in close contact with Cam Newport on the one plane. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, should you be planning for them if you have to have a separate plane because you fear that maybe some folks there might have the virus? Well, they, they did it. Be played? They did it last year when uh, the flu outbreak happened. Uh, and it helps when you have, uh, when Robert wow. Kraft owns both planes. So that helps. Um, but they separated them out. The guys who had the flu were on one plane. The healthy guys were on the other. So as long as they keep testing negative, gonna, it's okay. But they're not going to cancel a game because of the flu. No, they'll no, no. They cancel because of COVID, so right. I can understand that. But yeah, it was a little dicey situation, a little, uh, little up in the air. I don't know what's going to happen here going forward. I'm glad that the NFL is taking it as seriously as they are, though. I wish the teams would take it. You know, like John Gruden, I wish he would take uh, the serious nature of it. At least, you know, with guys like Mike Zimmer wearing the clear uh, helmet and, uh, or, you know, face mask in front of him, they're doing that great. And I understand that you're going to, when you're talking and stuff, you aren't always going to have your mask on. That's fine. But, I mean, Zimmer's figured out a way to do it. I don't know why the NFL doesn't have every coach do it. I mean, if, if you aren't going to follow the rules, then you should be fined and or suspended. And, you know, the Raiders have been, uh, you know, they had an indoor event where they weren't wearing masks last week and pictures surfaced on the Internet and the they're going to pay the price for that. And uh, I guess that's the Al Davis way. Uh, rebels uh, to the last dying day. Um I, I don't know. I, if the NFL, if the players really don't want to lose paychecks and if the uh, if they just want to play football, then adhere to the fucking protocols. Sorry, you know, uh, you know, pardon my French, but it's not that hard. It's just not like it's not that hard for people out there to wear a mask. You know, <laughs> do what you need to do to not only protect yourself but those around. I mean, it it happened with President Trump last week, and you know the. The the first family refused, you know, showing up to Cleveland late for the debate. And, you know, so they didn't have to take the COVID test and then refusing to wear masks, even though the Cleveland Clinic, who is sponsoring the debate, said, yes, this is uh, this is what these are rules and stuff. You agreed to these rules and they said, F the rules. Same thing with the NFL. You can't have certain people, uh, certain teams, certain coaches saying F the rules uh, by this and then say, oh, we just want to play football and, and you know, we don't want to lose game checks and stuff. Well, you, you can't have it both ways. And, uh, uh, by the way, kudos to Chris Wallace for um, his... Uh, his an, his somehow. No, his, well, that, that was a lost cause. There's no one in the history of the earth... Uh, well, I shouldn't say that, but there's no one actively that I know of who could have moderated that debate, but his analysis in the, um, you know, after the announcement on Friday and then uh, his interviews on Sundays and stuff, you know, criticizing and saying, you you have to wear a damn mask. That's his, that's what he said. So kudos to Chris Wallace for that. I wish the NFL would take a similar stance on that. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Like, we, we know what history is going to say about this period of time. Not going to look on it very favorably. I can, you know, we know that for a fact. The the kids they're going to be in school and they're going to say, why didn't they just wear a mask? 
And we're going to be like, I don't know why. It was very easy, but we don't want to do it, so. Uh, the Pandemic Special, did you watch that at all, South Park? Do you do you watch South Park at all? No, Dan Beck would watch it when I was roommates with him, so I got it from that. But never really watched it other than that. Did not, did not see it. They had a good Pandemic Special if you uh, care to... To watch it at some point, it, I thought it was good. It, I was hy- very hyped for it. It didn't meet my expectations, but overall it was very good. A lot of, uh, tied in a lot of stuff from the last six months. So that was interesting there. But yeah, it's just it's just a shitty week, I would say, for all of us. You know, the, the sports and the country in general. Uh, it was just a, it was a tough week. Uh, and hopefully we see better weeks here down the, down the stretch uh, as we close out the year. Yeah, as far as Trump, he's uh, getting helicoptered back home now. Like, it was interesting, uh, his little deal here this weekend. Like, I, I, I would not wish him well, because uh, he's a bad person. So I don't I don't wish bad people well. So a lot of people came out and wished him well that I know don't like him. I can understand that there are media people or whoever, and they can't say, yes, we want this guy to die. Like even social media things had to say, don't tell him to die, don't wish him death because for whatever reason. But mm-hmm. it's like, I, I, I just think of, okay, let's say Joe Biden. Let's say Joe Biden would have tested positive. What, what would Trump have shown him the same respect Unlike- that Joe Biden showed him? Unlikely, uh, but I can't say for sure, but I would say uh, unlikely. Unlikely. So if you don't show respect, then I don't have any respect for you. Um, yeah, he's, he's not a good person. His actions have shown that for most of his life. So whatever happens here over the next month with this election, um, who knows? But yeah, I don't, I don't wish him well in any aspect of anything going forward. So there's that uh, NBA Finals going on right now. Jimmy Butler, a triple-double, uh, one of only three players, I think, to do a triple-double in the NBA Finals. Or th- There's some stat that he joined, like Larry Bird and Shaq or something like that. Have you ever cared less about a championship final in any sport? Have I or you ever cared less? <sighs> like, well, I'm going to care a little bit about this World Series, whatever it is, yep. and the Super Bowl and whatever. I have never, I don't think I've ever cared less. Even hockey, I don't know hockey, I want to even say hockey. I've never cared less about a championship series than whatever the hell this, this Lakers heat thing. I have zero interest. Did you bring up... I have not watched a second of this thing. Did you bring up Northern Iowa just now? Yeah, I think I did. You oh. got me for once. So I'm <laughs> you got me for once. You know what, I, Krenz, I get more I get more information on the NBA Finals and the Heat listening to the Dan Lebetard show because they're based in Miami and they talk about it. That's where I, I get the extent. Unless you're a fan of one of these teams, who the hell could possibly care about this? I, who the hell could possibly care? No, I, I don't. No one. No one does. Uh. It's because of there, there's no crowd. I guess I don't know. It's like I don't care about this at all. Like, just zero. Like, even, I don't know if, like, Miami makes this a series, I'll probably become more, and I have no interest in the Lakers winning this. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if Miami makes this a series, then I, I may be interested a little bit, but Jesus Christ. 
I mean, all, all these guys from Miami are hurt, and they still win last night, and they were competitive like in game two when everybody was out. Like, I can't care about this thing. I just can't. Yeah. It's it's not good. Um, but, I mean, it, you know what? At least they were able to get their postseason played. At least they are able to crown a championship in 2020, even if it came in a bubble. Like that. Good for them. Um, yeah. I mean, hockey did it. Uh, congrats to the Lightning for winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, uh, basketball, you know, Lakers or the Heat are going to do it. Baseball is going to crown a champion. Uh, the only sport that didn't crown a champion in 2020 uh, besides the, co- the college baseball, is uh, March Madness. And uh, we're getting closer to the college basketball season, which is great. I am working on a project, Krenz, I believe. I can't. Really? I bet you uh, can't believe what I'm going to do. I'm breaking down region-wise. I'm having regional bubbles. Ooh, how many of these? How many bubbles? Uh, we don't know yet for sure. Uh, I'm still working on that. Um and kind of, I'm making different conferences up within these different regional bubbles and stuff. So some teams are going to get the shaft this year. No, no question you about love, it. You love switching teams and conferences and moving them around. Yep. This this year seems like it's the it's better more than uh, the, the, like it's a the greatest time to do it would be yes. to move to a regional bubble. Um, I think as of now. I have one, two, three, four, five. I think there. I have ten regions. So what you need, like, uh, are these like three hundred teams, or how yes. can we get them? All three hundred. All three hundred. All all three hundred thirty-two or three hundred seventy uh, Division One programs. So. So all the locations. Well, no. So like, I, I I'm not saying like uh like, I'm just saying like I'm combining so. Uh, all the teams in Oregon, Washington, and California, and Hawaii. Oh, you play. Point. You Good are. Point. You are. We are merging conferences, and then you are playing a non-conference schedule based of teams just in those states. So you limit the exposure. Uh, you limit the traveling. It's yeah. it's for everyone, you know the mountain uh, the Mountain West and stuff. So I have like Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona, Nevada, all together. Um, so I'm working on that. Uh, we'll we'll try and get that out at some point here in the not too distant future. But uh, if now if you ever wanted to regionalize stuff, especially for college basketball this season, maybe change some things up a bit for one year. This is the year to do it. It'll be interesting to see what they do, what restrictions and whatever they do. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Anything else that you have this week? Just the Trump thing. Just like he doesn't follow the rules. He he he, he has it now. He has it, and he, he's going to continue to have this for a while. And he does he had that little thing where he got in the car yesterday and waved at people. Like, that was probably a bad idea. He's putting other people at risk. Mm-hmm. Like, even though these people have this virus, they still don't care about anybody else. I do not so think maybe, the debate will happen in a couple of weeks. I don't think no, it should debate, happen. I don't think the debate can since he's got it and he needs, like, 14 days. Um, so I don't think... There might be one more debate at the, the vice presidential on Wednesday, 
maybe there'll be more one more presidential debate, but I could see no at this point. How awful he was during the first one. I, I, I heard Chris Wallace say that Trump interrupted either him or Biden 145 times, which is incredible. That's what Chris Wallace said yesterday. Yeah. And I, well, I mean, this whole story, the whole Trump thing, everything that's happened the last five years. Like, if he were to get this thing and die because of it, would that not be like the the I don't know if I want to say the perfect ending, but the most oh, no, satisfying I, ending, or the like, or the most like deserved ending on this thing of, of a thing that he didn't take seriously, and we, we should have done so much better at that. I don't know what word you want to use. If you were to get it and not make it, I think it's whether a, it's now or months from now, like what an ending! What an ending! That would be the president dies of a virus that he downplayed this entire time, and, and for all the the safety measures that you would assume the president has in front of him to not be in contact with mm-hmm. anybody that has this, they don't do as much as they should. Yeah, and if he, I mean, he'll probably be fine. He'll probably make it through this thing. But if he were to not make it through this, what what a ending! to this whole debacle. Yeah, I that mean, would, I... That would be unbelievable. No loss of life during the COVID is, uh, for me, it's not It's not worth it. So I would hope that that doesn't happen. Um, it Obviously, the, the, I, the irony of it all would be yeah. would be there. I would, That's what I would say to that. I would say, I mean, also, I have, I have no sympathy for the people that... Don't take it seriously. Oh, no. yep. And then they yep. get it, and then they pass. So it's like, dude, how much? I mean, it, it, we're beyond that. So uh, mm-hmm. all these stories that come out have said so and so has this Facebook post where they didn't take it seriously, and then two weeks later they died of it. It was like we we can't help you anymore. We can't help your 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 stupidity. Mm-hmm. We can only give you as, as much information and science and facts and guidance of what to do. Everybody knows what to do now to, to try and beat this thing, and some of us try a little bit more than others, they, but if you get it, and you can do your best with it, and I can't feel sorry for you if you get it, and you don't make it, if you don't wear a mask, and you don't do these things. Yep. It's, I think there was a mom in Texas or whatever that called it a hoax, <laughs> and then like two weeks later she got it, and then she died from it. I mean, that's... I don't, I don't it, know. It's a, it's a dark, it's, that's a dark humor to me, but um, it's like, okay. Think yeah. of everything the, from, from when we talked last week. The debate had not happened yet. Nope. The twins uh, were still alive. COVID, huh? The twins were still alive. They still had a the season. They were still uh, playing games. Uh, this COVID thing had not happened. Uh, what else? There was another thing. <clears throat> oh, there was uh, Melania Trump hated Christmas. That was a video or an audio that came out mm-hmm. a couple uh, the night before. Uh, Trump he gets up to, he gets up there. He's wearing a mask and he gets up there and he takes it off. It's like, dude, you've got it. Keep the mask on. Thumbs th- up. He gives the thumbs up. He's okay. He's so orange. And then I think he posted these videos there throughout the weekend, and he actually looked like a normal person with white skin. I think it's the the sad part in all of this is that he put a lot of people in Minnesota yes. and in New Jersey 
in danger. I mean that it that's a crime that um, that I don't think can be um, debated. It can't be debated. Um, you when could try did he and, test positive? We don't know when did when did he know he had it? Well, he knew whole picks had it. I know it just the the irresponsibility of everybody involved not giving a damn about anybody mm-hmm. other than themselves. It's so. I don't know, disappointing, sad, selfish, all those words. Yep. It's it's like, it's hard to believe people are like this, but, but they are. Yep. Everything and every, you know, anything in all those words that you just said. Absolutely. Who, I mean, all those things that happened between when we talked last week, who the hell knows? Again, I've said this. How many times? Like, who the hell knows what's gonna happen when we talk next? You just think we're like crazy. A, one crazy. week. One week can't be any worse, and then the next week goes here. Hold my beer. I mean, it's just, it's just. Remember his taxes were a big story like two weeks ago. That seems like a month ago now. Oh, and like all of these stories that seem like they're so big, they literally last like two days. His taxes were a story. Was there something else like this thing here? This should be a big story. This is kind of like over now, unless. Unless he gets worse or something. Mm-hmm. Like, he's going to be in the White House. He really can't go anywhere for the next couple of weeks or so. Like, this thing is this is kind of like a weekend thing. Friday night he went in. Monday night he's out. And they'll monitor him. And I'm sure he'll be fine. And, oh, yeah, the president had this virus. He went to the hospital for the weekend. And now he's back. Like, what the fuck? And then we move on to something else. To something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The world in which we live in. Hopefully it gets better soon. It's very interesting. Yes. All right, my friend. Uh, anything else before we say so long? Were you more interested in the baseball this past week or not? Yes. I hope they continue. I like the 16 teams. I hope- because of more teams? I, yes. I would prefer the five teams. It was, it was fun to have like the Marlins and whoever, but... I like the... Like, more. I like the more... Because the games meant more. It wasn't a five-game series. It wasn't a seven-game series. It was like, all right, this is a three-game series. Yep. Every game is very important. Yep. I think what the, the only issue that you're going to run into is that you aren't going to have a bubble uh, in any other year doing this. So you might have to maybe start the, the playoffs in, you know, like maybe the last week in September, like, you know, the, like the 20th and stuff, so you can factor in those um, those off days. But I liked it. I really did. I, th- I think it's good. You know, sometimes the best team doesn't always make it. Uh, that's that's fine. That's what you have to. That's well, th- that's it, what it was like the Twins, the Twins and the Cubs were the two teams that didn't make. It. You know, every every other series went how you probably thought they would, or the the host team won, the home team won. Twins, we know their history, and the Cubs. Boston Marlins, which is fine with us. So, like, it's, it's basically kind of what it would have been anyway. You get the Rays and the Yankees, you get the Padres and the Dodgers. So you, you get the teams that would have been there anyway. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think the only oh. real surprise, I mean, the Twins losing the way they did is surprising and not surprising at the same time. Uh, the Marlins winning, <laughs> not a huge surprise, but certainly... It's somewhat of a surprise, and the, you know the we knew that the Yankees were going to beat the Indians. We knew the Dodgers were going to beat the Brewers. So yeah, I don't think there was a ton of shock by anything. The the Marlins and the Astros would be the two big ones, uh, and I think the it's the Marlins more so than the Astros. Yeah, 
Marlins are the best the best uh, story in baseball. Yeah, it's very good. The, the outbreak they had that first weekend was terrible, and yeah, it'll be. I'm interested in their games. Yep. Cubs, Cubs, Braves would have done nothing for me. Uh, Marlins, Braves, I'll pay attention to that. Absolutely. Looking forward to the baseball. Uh, can you continue it? And I, I again, I, I do want them to do this playoff format here uh, in future years, or at least maybe do it like every other. I think that would be okay. Um, but yeah, it was fun, and uh, looking forward to the baseball here for the next month. Um, but Astros, Astros are ahead of Oakland. You're eight to five. Yeah. So they came alive all of a sudden. Well, that's the postseason. Uh, just make sure there are no trash cans around. And Houston, Houston may go on a run. Who knows? Who knows? Five game series. Anything can happen. All right, my friend. You have a great rest of your week. Uh, where are you at football this week? Oh God! Oh God! I gotta go to Sturgis, which is around oh, the way. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully somebody gets sick somewhere, so that doesn't happen. So <laughs> I don't wish them ill, but I wish them somewhat ill to get sick enough to. <laughs> It's not been good here. Past two weeks have been very bad. Yeah. So, across the state, a lot of games canceled, but uh, but we keep moving on because we got freedom here, and <laughs> so yeah, we got we got freedom. Yes, we do. So <laughs> we got I freedom. Guess, we got freedom. I, How about you? Oh, oh, I wish I wish I didn't have as much freedom as I did. I don't know what to do with it all. I like Trump. Infected with COVID-19, takes his mask off and enters the White House while others are clearly standing by. It's like, what? He's got it. He has it. He can give it to other people. He just walked into the White House without a mask on. Well, there's people right there in front of him. So a lot of people in there getting it. But, um, yeah, it's a four-hour. I thought about maybe staying over, but if I get four hours, I can make it. Um, so, yeah, I only got to three regular season football games to go so we're more than halfway done with the football year jeez again beginning of october it seems like it's it just started but again it's already october three months left we're in the final oh. quarter of 2020 crins uh, we can only hope we're playing the falcons that's what i heard very good that was very good falcons you suck um uh, brookings brookings high school uh, they got a running back named josh burai b-u-r-i josh burai uh, he transferred from somewhere in Minnesota. Where, where's Stewartsville? You know, Stewartsville, Minnesota? Uh, Stewartsville, I believe, is a. Uh, it's in the southeastern part of the state. Let me pull it up here quick. I mean, he, apparently that's where he came from. I don't know what parents moved here or whatever, but he's playing for Brookings this year, and he's a, uh, a very good running back, so I'm not sure he'll be going, going to college somewhere. But uh, Josh Barai, he was a. Uh, good running back for Brookings. Maybe he'll maybe, maybe he'll go to SDSU and Stuart. Be fine with me. He was he was exceptional. So Stuartville. I really, I really liked him a lot. Stuartville is uh, just south of Rochester, Minnesota. Way so southeast. There. Yep, Way southeast up. of the part of Minnesota. Uh, so hey, he was a guy, and you get to see some of these guys that may go on to do something. So he would he kind of sticks out more than most that I've seen so far. Very cool. Well, you have a, a pleasant trip out to Sturgis. Uh, best of luck to you and, and the Colonels. Uh, you have a great rest of your week. Say hello to Melissa, and we'll uh, we'll talk yeah. to you next week. All right, I'll see you later. Travis Crins joining us here, Sports Block Podcast. Always appreciate his time, as always. Uh, we got 
more stuff to talk about here. Uh, not so much college football this week. We did have some upsets. Uh, TCU beat Texas. Uh, UCF inexplicably lost to Tulsa. That doesn't make me or my dog happy at all. Um, uh, Georgia kicked the crap out of Auburn. Alabama beat Texas A&M thoroughly. A uh, lot going on in the college football world. We'll talk college football with Charlie next week. But we have to wrap up the hockey season next, and we'll do that with Marcus Traxler. That's coming up next here on the Sports Block Podcast. Uh, now on podcast.com, follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken, Travis Crins at Travis Crins, Facebook, Nathan Stacken, a link to the podcast uh, posted middle to later part of each week. Coming up next, though, we wrap up the hockey season, and then we'll make some NFL picks and react to week four in the NFL, make picks for week five. It's all coming up next here on the Sports Block Podcast. We continue here on the Sports Block Podcast, and please be joined by my good friend uh, from the Mitchell Daily Republic, Marcus Traxler. Marcus, how are we doing? I'm good, Stacking. How are you? Doing okay, thank you. A little conflicted here. We'll get into to that in a little bit here, but uh, congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning for winning their second Stanley their second yeah their second Stanley Cup yeah. in franchise history. They took down the Dallas Stars in six games, four to two. They won Game Six, two to nothing. Um, they were pretty much the best team the entire uh, series and postseason, uh, and I think a, a well-deserving champion of the Stanley Cup. Yeah, kind of like we talked about uh, during the series and before the series that you know they were they were the better team in Dallas. They just kind of had to show it, and they did. Uh, played played very well. Dallas gave it everything they had mm-hmm. uh, to get to that point, and uh, I think was just a little bit outgunned uh, in the final. So. Um, you know, for Tampa Bay, I mean, we'll, uh, you know, get into to that a little bit, but you know, just really pays off for a lot of patience that they've shown over the last few years. Mm-hmm. They've been close and haven't gotten it done. Kind of feels like Washington a little bit, where uh, they've had a lot of talent and have, you know, at least in the last five years or so, just have not had things necessarily go right. Where, uh, like we talked about, they kind of had the Virginia thing going on, where they yep. knocked out. Uh, as big favorites in the first round last year, a couple years ago, missed the playoffs altogether. Steven Stamkos, although he didn't play a lot in this series, big part of the franchise, and uh, he went to free agency a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of scuttlebutt that he would go to Toronto or or he would leave and, and go somewhere else. And he ended up coming back to Tampa Bay, and everybody kind of shook their head and went, "Well, I guess that that's fine." And and it's worked out. And they didn't they didn't break it all down. I think there's maybe some pressure uh, to do that when you have the same group and it's it's you're not getting any further so a lot of credit to them uh, they have a great coach in John Cooper who uh, is really a, a terrific story and you know he uh, climbed the ladder of, of coaching as well so uh, it's hard to be uh, you know there's a lot of good good uh, cases to, to root for on, on Tampa Bay absolutely and Stamkos to your point had uh, you played in only one game in this series and I think it was less than three minutes of total time on the ice and scored a goal which was yeah. it, it was a big lift the the team had said uh, it was just an emotional lift it, it really just got everyone kind of going and excited and stuff uh, I think it was just exciting that he was even on the ice but you know let alone to score a goal that really helped uh, you mentioned the Virginia yeah, with, point and, and yeah. with regards to Stamkos it, it's come out that he had a core muscle injury or, or you know something you know center of the body um, that does not sound comfortable to play through and it, and it sounded like he had re-hurt himself 
you know, at some point during the quarantine thing, that's what ended up taking so long. Mm-hmm. And so maybe the fact that he was out there playing at all is kind of crazy, uh, mm-hmm. considering that he, he left and, and packed it in after three minutes. Uh, yep. But it's it's good legend in Lightning history now. Yep, pa- uh, Green Bay Packers wide receiver Alan Lazard can uh, attest to yeah. Stamkos' point on the core muscle injury, uh, considering the game he had last week against the Saints. Uh, you brought up Virginia. I was going to mention that as well. We know that run all too well about them losing to a 16 seed, and then the following year we saw them win the national championship in Minneapolis in a thrilling overtime uh, game against Texas Tech. Um John Coop, I, I was watching uh, SportsCenter then, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm waiting for Scott Van Pelt to show more highlights. It was the best thing he saw all day, you know, them winning the Stanley Cup and whatnot. And I get that there was a lot going on with the Ravens and Chiefs. And finally, he got to an interview with John Cooper, and there's Cooper wearing the, uh, the Virginia Cavaliers hat. And they, he said that one of his assistants or whatever gave him that hat at the beginning of this run and said, hey, you know, the... He kind of brought up the the backstory of it here. He knew Cooper knew more about it, I think, than several of his assistants and stuff. But the fact that they had that in the back of their mind and could compare the two and knew about what what was going on, I think, is pretty cool. Yeah, two two main things there. One, they seem to sort of embrace uh, the fact that okay, we we did not do what we needed to do last year. Um, you know, we know we know more about our team. Um, you know, we talked about it at the beginning of the playoffs that, you know, amongst the seeding, you know, Boston was the number one team far and away, but they didn't get it done. And, and this is a team that dispatched Boston pretty easily in these playoffs, which I don't think a lot of people anticipated. So you tell they were kind of on a mission. And even in the last two series, uh, those were six game series that could have been ended in five. Um, and it just got stretched out another game. So they didn't really stress. They didn't go to game seven or anything, but they played some long games, overtime games in these playoffs. But, um, you know, they got it done in relatively good fashion. Mm-hmm. And the other part of that is I think their team benefited by going to the bubble. Uh, with, with less media, obviously no fans, no travel. They were there just to play hockey. And mm-hmm. I think when you've gone through what they've gone through over the last three or four years, um, you're just going to play hockey, you know what the, the job is. And you're not being asked about, hey, does this feel like uh, past, past time? You're not being asked that as much. I'm sure they got some of those questions. But um, I think they were probably a team that benefited from it. Yeah, just just to close my my thought on on Cooper, this is a guy who uh, he, he coached the Texarkana Bandits. Uh, he he, uh, <laughs> he coached uh, something called the Metro Jets. I couldn't even tell you what league they're in, but they're the same level as the uh, the Aberdeen Wings in the uh, third division of the North American Hockey League. Coached the Green Bay Gamblers in the USHL. Um, and then was hired by the Lightning in 2010 to, to coach their AHL team. So a true you know, climbing of the ladder uh, for Cooper, and it's cool to see guys like that be rewarded. Like you said, he seems to be a guy that gets it, and you might have lean into the comparisons about Virginia. A uh, good little thing for them to rally around. Do, do people in Texarkana even know what a hockey puck is? <laughs> I, I don't think. I mean, I can't imagine they do. I, I'm stunned that there's hockey in Texarkana, uh, considering... Uh, I just figured it would be, you know, four levels of minor league football or arena league football. So. Yeah, I mean, Alabama's kind of got a cult hockey feel to it. Uh, you know, Alabama Huntsville has a hockey team. Uh, ESPN actually did a story a couple years ago about um, hockey in uh, in Huntsville and in Alabama. Yeah. yeah, that was a great story. All the different minor league teams that are in that state. Yeah. And in the, in, now they have the southern 
a hockey league and that they've kind of experimented with some rules and you know, the fans aren't obviously going there to uh, experience wins and losses. They're mm-hmm. there for, for the fun of minor league hockey. And so to be able to lean into that is cool. Yeah. Um, I would, maybe I'm uh, selling uh, Texarkana folks short here, but maybe you need to think about ownership. I, I, I don't have, even know if the Texarkana bandits are still in, in operation. Yeah. Nope. Nope. They moved. Oh. They moved and they shut down. I'm so. not surprised. I thought I did think it was cool that uh, El Paso got the Kraft Hockeyville. Um, they were the Kraft Hockeyville winners. I would have, you know, I always like it if it would be somewhere you know, in Minnesota. But um, the fact that El Paso, Texas, got it, I thought was pretty cool. Well, I always look at it from the standpoint of who needs it more. Yep. You know, there was a couple couple years ago, Rapid City was in it, and now you know, Rapid City has a. Rapid City Rush, which are pretty popular, uh, but I don't think of them as a you know hockey town at all. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, yeah, you could go to Minnesota, but there's a hundred cities in Minnesota that are that are well positioned for hockey. Exactly, El Paso is a little different. They could probably use another sheet of ice if that's what's going, whatever it's going to go yep. for. You know, so absolutely. Uh, I f- I feel like this is one of the better Stanley Cup finals that we have seen. Or Stanley, Stanley Cup final series. I don't want to say finals. I know I already got it uh, called out by Will Rottler for that. So That's I want right. to make sure I, I say Stanley Cup final. But I feel like it's one of the better series that we have seen in recent years. We had a double overtime game. We had a overtime game. Uh, it, it felt like it was fairly close. The the quality of the hockey was good. Uh, if we can look back at some of these. Uh, recent years, uh, where, where do we kind of see this one? I, I mean, I think it's going to be kind of largely forgotten because of the time that it was played at, and you know, with everything else going on, it is 2020 after all. But um, I do think it was overall one of the better uh, series that we've seen in recent years. Yeah, I, I agree with you that it's, it's going to be lost in translation, but because of all the other things that are happening, uh, and, and the fact that this was uh, finished in September. You know, and yet the playoffs played in August and September. I mean, it's just, it's going to be, it's going to stand out in history from that standpoint. I mean, I think it's an upper half, uh, at least in recent history playoffs. Like we said, uh, two teams that were pretty competitive. It wasn't an obvious blowout. I think Tampa Bay was better. And I don't think there's any, anything wrong with, with saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, like you said, the competitiveness is, is good. I, what, it, what stands out to me is that it was a relatively good series even after two months in isolation, you know, mm-hmm. um, I just don't think enough can be said about how difficult that is. Yep. Um, again, they're, they're, uh, playing hockey. They're not, uh, you know, pounding concrete out there, but it's, uh, you know, it, it makes, a, it's, it's good to see that level of play and, um, good to see, you know, the, the cup being played for at the level that you expect every other year. And there, it, there is an argument to be made that both the Stanley Cup and then the NBA Finals this year, who the Lakers are probably going to win that, but that these championships that are won this year are even more difficult this year given the circumstances of you know being in this bubble, playing you know away from your or being away from your family for two months and whatnot. That you know not playing in front of fans and anything that this could be harder than on a normal year. Um, absolutely, absolutely. You know, I think we maybe discussed that a little bit earlier too. Yeah. Uh, that this is just these are unprecedented circumstances, and I, you know, uh, nobody wants to go to a bubble. No. I, MLB players have complained a bunch, and they're going to a bubble that's probably going to last for a month at most. Yeah. It's going to happen in two different, you know, two different groupings. I mean, it's 
it's nothing compared to what the NHL and and uh, NBA have dealt with. So, I, I, you know, it'll it'll all work out. And like you said, there's no asterisk on this. These teams have earned uh, these championships or you know where they've gotten to. As we look then in closing on the NHL season here, uh, what are your overall thoughts on how the bubble went for the NHL. I thought it went as about as well as it could possibly be. In and in large point from the from the main the main point is that no player tested positive in the bubble for the coronavirus. I think that has to be uh, we have to give kudos where kudos needs to be given, and that's to the NHL for the way they handled this and all the testing and stuff. Um, you know, it it brought us a lot of exciting hockey. For two months, um, again, the the season in which it is. I mean, we're never going to get August playoff hockey again. At least I don't think we're going to in our lifetimes. Um, but overall, I thought the NHL did a very good job. I know ESPN had a story about bubble life, and Gary Bettman wasn't too keen on uh, on it with anonymous sources and whatnot. I think it was more just like players and whatnot. But um, overall. I think given the circumstances and stuff that the NHL pulled off about as well of a playoff uh, or tournament as you could possibly imagine given the circumstances. Absolutely. The whole idea was to, to do it safely and get it finished. And like you said, they did that. Didn't have any cases once these teams got to the bubbles and and that all worked out. You know, um, The one thing I was, I guess I if I was going to pick a nit, um, it would be that after the first you know, after the novelty of playing in the bubble wore off, the games all felt the same. You know, there mm-hmm. was no it's the same argument I have with the NCAA tournament. If every court looks the same and every arena looks the same, you lose. I mean, it's just one of the they, they all they all feel the same. So, I would have liked to see. And I know they did they did jazz things up. When you bring the Stanley Cup into the building in the final round, that's pretty cool. You know, yep. it's, it's up on this pedestal that they're playing for. I mean, that's pretty sweet. But um, I would have liked to see them change it up a little bit more as as it went along. I know that they're they're just they're worried about getting the games done and doing the best they can and they met all those criteria. So it's a small small thing for me, but um you know, I think they have a lot to be proud of. Now I think the the real concern there is okay, this is done. Um now what are you gonna do? Yep. Uh, as far because you're not you're not going to end up bubble in the regular season, you know. And, yep. The NHLPA and, uh, has said no to that. Yeah, and the NFL and Major League Baseball have shown you can do it during the season, but you better have pretty disciplined players that aren't going out every night. And uh, if you're not, if, if you're not the Tennessee game, Titans, <laughs> what's that? And if you're not the Tennessee Titans, well, yeah, and you know you can see. I mean, in the span of five or six days, the Titans have 20 cases now. So, um, you know. In the, the St. Louis Cardinals and the Marlins. I mean, go down the list. There's teams in, in both sports that have had issues with this. So um, there is a lot of pressure, and I think it's going to be difficult for the NBA and the NHL to go back and say, well, we're going to play 82 games, and, and we're going to fly like we normally would, and we, we won't have fans, or we won't have a few fans, whatever it might be. And that is, it's going to be tough uh, to try to do your whole season and, again, run the risk of the virus. And you know, I think at some point they'll just have to decide, you know, kind of like Major League Baseball did. We're going to try to get to 60 games, but uh, we're going to play what we're going to play and go from there. So, um, and of course, uh, a vaccine and all that has, has a big uh, impact on how this is all going to go, too. So, yep. um, a lot to watch for. I, I agree with you on Gary Batman. Uh, he's, uh, he did a great job getting making sure that this 
bubble happened, but he's a big time bitch for uh, complaining about uh, <laughs> players complaining about the bubble because yep. uh, you know they, they they can complain. There's nothing stopping them from complaining. I, I'm sure the NHL did what they could do, but um, you can't sit there and say that everybody's going to enjoy two months in isolation and all you've got for them is walk down the street to uh, you know an empty empty soccer stadium to get some exercise. I mean, there's just you can only, and you can only have chicken for, for uh, lunch every every yep. day for a certain period of time. So I did I did enjoy Kenny Albert's uh, piece on NHL.com earlier in the bubble about everything that he was experiencing and going through and stuff. That was a good read. And uh, yeah, again, congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning on winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, one other hockey news of note: sounds like Devin Dubnik is about to be traded to the San Jose Sharks. Uh, what do we feel about this? I, I think it's probably the right move. Uh, I mean, he he was very good during his time in Minnesota. I don't know what is going to be coming back to the to the Wild, but it sounds like it's very close to being done. Yeah, and that's uh, significant. Um, you know, obviously he's been the goalie of the last five six years, I believe. Um, for, for the Wild, so um, and you look at their their uh, goaltending position. There's a lot jam there now, where they've got uh, you know young young guy in in Kapo Kakinen who is uh, coming up mm-hmm. right, and so uh, they got to make a decision there. And and you still have Staylock in the mix. Who uh, Staylock was not perfect, but he's shown he's capable of, of challenging this year. He was he was probably the number one goalie uh, mm-hmm. because of Dubnik being out and and played. To the quality of the goal, I should say. So um, that's a that's a big big indicator. So um, wish him well, but I think it's the right move. It, it just kind of shows that the Wild, you know, up the middle of that lineup, you know, center, defense, uh, a goaltender, making some changes, and I think it's right to to do that and consider that. Yep, and I like what Bill uh, Gear and the GM is doing. So I I I will trust him uh, with with his uh, vision. Uh, he seems like he has a good head on his shoulders, and uh, so yeah, we'll see from there. He said he said we that the, the wild needed to make changes, and yep. changes are being made. Um, I, mean, I, I think yeah. uh, people are, are going to be critical of the Eric Stahl trade mm-hmm. uh, just because you know Johansson is is a tough guy uh, to slide him as a center. It, it, it literally has not worked uh, the previous time he's tried it, I believe, in Buffalo. So um, that. He rightly was was criticized on that, but when he said whatever GM basically thinks, he actually said it out loud that we need to make changes and we can't come back with the same lineup. And almost saying we're making trades to make trades, um, I actually I don't mind him saying that because in some in some ways he's just doing what the fans want. But uh, he took he's took some arrows on, on that already, so uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. Yep. We will. Uh, let's go to another Minnesota team that constantly disappoints in the playoffs, and that'd be uh, your Minnesota Twins. Uh, Marks, I don't think uh, I think it goes without saying that uh, 18 losses, uh, consecutive losses in the playoffs, is unimaginable, almost you know, unbelievable. It's astonishing. Whatever superlative you want to use for it, uh, I think it aptly fits. Uh, I mean, it's borderline asinine how how the Twins have failed to to win a game at all since 2004, and even more so how a great offensive team like and they, their offense this year was not as good as it was last year. Uh, injuries to Donaldson uh, certainly impacted them, uh, but my my goodness, 
This was about as dismal a performance as you could possibly get against the Astros, considering that this that the Astros were below 500, that uh, the Twins were playing at home, that this should have been a pretty easy series for them to win, and I mean this, it, it's bad all the way around. There's nothing we I, very little we could say that uh, to slice it up to being something good to talk about regarding the Twins and their postseason experience. Yeah, I absolutely agree with all that. Um, you know, this was a team that offensively was not as good as they were the year before, but they were still pretty darn good. Yes. And, uh, you know, all the advantages you mentioned were in their, their corner. I mean, better pitching than they have had in a lot of recent years. Um, that's a huge, huge step forward. Um, but it doesn't matter if you don't score any runs. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't honestly walk away and, and score two runs in a series, one in each game, and say, well, we did what we needed to do offensively. And I think they know that, but... Um, just, just not, not acceptable. And uh, you know, it's funny. You, you apply a lot. I've made this comparison, and you're the right person for me to have this conversation with. Okay. Um, I draw parallels to what the Twins are going through to the Wild, um, yep. where you have this lineup, and some of these guys have been on this team now for. You go back to the Wild Card game. You know, it's been three, four years. Some of them even before then. In a lot of ways, you know what you've got. Uh, in some of these guys, you know what you have in Eddie Rosario. You know what's there in Max Kepler, aside from last big, big season. Um, you know, and you've got some young guys coming through the pipeline. Uh, they've got some tough decisions to move move guys out. I, you know, I think you look at the Wild in the early uh, 2010s, and I think it was the same thing. They got to the playoffs, didn't really do anything there, not explosive enough to win at all. Um, this year, I think the Twins probably were. Last year, they were explosive enough to make do damage, but uh, just kind of uh, gripping the stick or gripping the bat too hard, and the offense just dies. Mm-hmm. I just, to me, it just felt like there, were, there are some parallels between these two teams. Absolutely, the Wild would kill even to make the playoffs as much as the Twins have. But um, it's just um, they're the one Minnesota team that I keep coming back to because you know the Vikings losing and their 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 stuff in the playoffs is is on a different level even still but um at least they win in the playoffs <laughs> well i mean you could make the argument that like 18 straight playoff losses um this is that is kind of a vikings thing uh, where yep. it's just like how the hell does that even happen yeah um so i, I don't know is it, i mean do you think i'm on on to something no, or off yeah something? i mean on, on the wild comparison because yep. um no i, I made the, I, the comparison to crimson and and he obviously doesn't Hockey yeah. To weigh in, but uh, that was the one team that came to mind. For yeah, me. no, I, th- I think it's a an apt comparison. Uh, I mean, if you're looking at the what the Twins had this year, they had a more complete team this year than they did last year. Because last year it was the offense, but they didn't have the pitching. This year right. the offense is down a little bit. They had the better pitching. Um, no, I, I think it's a, I think it's a very uh, appropriate comparison, and you know it doesn't help that Donaldson was hurt. I don't know how much of a difference he would have made in the lineup. Uh, Francisco Lindor is on the on the uh, the chopping block for the Cleveland Indians. Uh, I mean, does it even pay to even reach out to Cleveland to see what they would want in return for him? Well, the one thing we know about Cleveland is that everyone is available. Yep. So I don't think they had a, any intent of sending uh, Trevor Bauer to their inner league rival, but they did that last year. You mm-hmm. know, uh, to Cincinnati, right? So. Um, I believe everybody's for sale for them, and they they uh, kind of operate in that way, and that's not the worst philosophy to have. Um, I think it's worth calling. Um, I don't know. 
I think there's kind of two schools of thought here with the Twins. One is that I think you do need to kind of figure out what you've got now with some of these young guys. Uh, Rooker and Larnack and Royce Lewis and we'll go down the list. Um, I've got uh, a couple guys I'm I'm pretty much ready to see moved out. I think Eddie Rosario, we know what we've got for him. Mm-hmm. There may be a trade market for him. I'm not sure. Um, you know, I know Travis is an advocate of trading Max Kepler. I'm a little bit more hesitant on that, but mm-hmm. I could probably talk into it uh, because the Twins have core outfielders that are in an act that are coming. So, and that new kid that came up in uh, Game Two, right? Yeah, in Kirilov. Yeah. Yep. So um, there's there's an argument for that. And uh, Jorge Polanco was hurt this year, but was not good. Mm-hmm. And uh, Arias was hurt, and he was not as good. He was still decent. Um, and I think it's clear that Mitch Garver is not going to be. Uh, Ryan Jeffers has a bigger uh, upside. potential upside uh, as a hitter than Mitch Carver has, and he was great last year. So um, there's some tough decisions to be made there. You know, if, if they can work something out to bring Nelson Cruz back, you do that. I would uh, love. But, I would love to have them bring him back. But uh, you know, time is just not on his side. It just can't be. Yep. At some point, he's not going to be the guy he's been. Yep. I don't know when that's going to be. I think it's worth it for the Twins to take that gamble, but. Um, you know, that's something to think about, too. Here's the other thing I was going to say, yeah. um, is that I think there's, you can make the argument here that, you know, the 18-in-a-row streak and all this talk, they can say that uh, this current group doesn't have anything to do with it, and, uh, one, they can't say that anymore. Right, they, they have a little bit of a, of a role in it. They're responsible for five or six of those losses now, if you, if you count the wild card game from a few years ago. Yeah. So um, they're part of it now. And uh, it shows that they're paying attention. It shows what pressure in the playoffs looks like. Um, mm-hmm. That is, has to be a cause to this. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think they would hit this way if they didn't know that, okay, it's a three-game series and we better get to getting uh, yep. pretty quickly in these playoffs. And every strikeout and pop out and men left on base adds to the pressure. And this is a team that uh, with five games in playoffs the last two years, they do not respond very well to that. Or nope. they not perform. Nelson Cruz was like one of the only guys that, that got anything done last year. Yep. So, um, and he was definitely the only guy who did anything in this postseason driving in both runs. So, um, they're, they're, like, they, they are what pressure looks like in the playoffs. I and mean, we saw it. And, and it got to them. I don't know that it gets to every other team. Um, you got a lot of win in the playoffs. And I don't know how you do that until you, you do that and until you win. And um, you can get into a little minutia of all the. The other things are whether they should have let Maeda or Barrios go longer. I think the argument can be made that they could have. Um, but the camp- you, just, you just shake your head because this series, uh, because it was only three games and they only played two of them, I mean, it's gone like that. They yeah. literally the first team out. And you're... You're like, well, I barely got into this. And it's all <laughs> so that's it, the Kansas City Royals have had so much more success in the playoffs than the Twins have had, and the, the Royals have been a terrible franchise for many, many years. They had this three-year year sprint that uh, they were very good at. They won a World Series. They went to another one, uh, and now they're rebuilding again. But they'll get back. Uh, it, but I don't know what it is like with the Twins. I mean, they had the bases loaded in the first inning in both games. Didn't score a run. Uh, I think it's a. I don't think you need to fire Rocco Baldelli. I've I saw too many takes of that on social media. I'm like, no, he is good, but he needs to talk to someone in the offseason about how to better manage 
A, his pitching staff or bullpen in the playoffs, and B, just figuring out what it will take to to get over this hump and how to manage in the playoffs better. That's what I want to see from him in the offseason. I agree with you completely. Um, I think that he uh, he is a good manager. He's the right manager to sort of, uh, we're still relatively young, connects with a lot of these players, which is a good sign. But in the postseason, um, his record is not good. It's 0-5. Mm-hmm. And uh, it he he's not using the bullpen in a way that makes a ton of sense. It's, he's not using, using it in a way that indicates that he's in a win-now mentality because that's how you have to be in the playoffs. And uh, that's certainly frustrating when you've got this streak riding and, and all those sorts of things. So um, I still believe in Rocco, but... Um, you know, hopefully they get to the playoffs next year, and hopefully it's it's different. But Prince fans have been saying that for a long time. Yes, they have. Uh, yeah, hopefully it gets better. Uh, he is, you know, he's only been there for two years. He's done very good so far. So I will uh, give him the the benefit of the doubt and say just you know let's hold off on any of that firing Rocco Baldelli. But something needs to change for the Twins. And, uh, and you can also make the argument that like. He's he's trusting these players to do the job. I mean, he mm-hmm. fills out the lineup card and he fills out the uh, you know decides who the, the pitching staff is going to be in in what order. Um, but you got to you got to manage to win. Yep. And I don't know if the Twins are a. I mean, I think the Twins are a team that has Thad uh, Levine and Derek Falvey definitely involved in filling out the lineup card and deciding who's going to play during the regular season. But uh, in the postseason, that feels like it's got to be the manager, and it feels like. Um, he's got to be the guy who feels it out, and you know, I, I don't know if if uh, he's just sort of paralyzed by all the stats and stuff, or what what would be causing this. But um, he's got to develop that feel for knowing how to manage in a very short series when you got to win. He sure does, absolutely. Um, let's just hitch our wagons to the Padres here, and let's ride this uh, playoff. Uh, San Diego, out. man. Yeah. Get on board. Yep. I mean, you know. Same initials as South Dakota, uh, a state with wonderful government leadership. It's just, I mean, the, the Padres' leadership is better than the leadership in South Dakota. If Is that fair to that, say? I don't think that can be argued. The okay. Padres are in the playoffs. My, <laughs> state's not, my state's not going to the playoffs in uh, managing coronavirus or anything like that. So. <laughs> oh, sorry. I didn't mean for that dig. I really didn't. Uh, just. I, we, we know we, we know that's got the potential coming up, so that's all right. See, I think, you know, like, if you're from South Dakota and you see SD, you're like, hey, you know what, I might take a little pride. Like, hey, that's San Diego, that's great. You know, I have to imagine that there are some Padres fans in Providence. Uh, you know, they're the Friars. You got to, you know, pretty much the same thing as a, as a Padre. Uh, I, I got to think that there's some uh, Padres fans out in South Dakota and Rhode Island here if they're not I, Sox I, fans. I mean, I think there's a little bit of animosity over the Aztecs Jackrabbits thing, as yep. you well know, and, and yep. to a lesser extent, the, the battle over USD. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, there there has to be some common ground over shared initials. Yes, absolutely. Uh, finally, the Vikings—they finally got a win. Uh, they had to make a sweat for it. Um, you know, the Will Fuller drops a pass in the end zone uh, that would have gotten the Texans a. 
a two with a two point conversion, they could have tied the game, and we would have seen what the Vikings would have done with it. But Vikings beat the Texans 31-23. They are now one and three on the season, and Trevor Lawrence feels like it's uh, he's gone now. Not gonna get there anymore. Uh, I don't know if the Jets will draft him or not because I think Sam Darnold does have potential. The Jets just need to protect him and get weapons. And the Jets have been riddled with injuries all year this Sam, year. Sam Darnold might be moving to left, left guard or something yeah, if, yes. uh, if that's the case because I, I, I just it feels like it's hard to, to pass on Trevor Lawrence. It does. Um, it really does. You know, and nobody nobody said that about Sam Darnold. You know what I mean? So, um, and, and people have said that said that about Joe Burrow this year. You can go right down the list. I mean, yep. it, it feels like a, you know, when you can see a situation and uh, I would imagine that uh, the Jets are going to have a stranglehold on that number one pick. If I have so. to wait six or seven years for Arch Manning, I will do it. Um, <laughs> but uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But I, I'm conflicted about this win. You know, I, it's, I think that's the way the season's going to go with me for the Vikings. Like I enjoy that they win because it means they're not completely inept. But it means that the shot at Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or Trey Lance, who we'll get to in a second here, is gone. Um, so I, I do want them to compete, and they have competed over the last couple of games. They've played much better. Um, so, yes, I, I'm i happy they won, but I'm conflicted because I know it won't put the Vikings in as good a uh, position to draft a highly regarded quarterback in next year's draft. Are you of the same mindset that I am, or how do you feel about this? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a little, I have a little bit of that. Um, I never know how to feel in, in these cases where, I mean, we know that uh, the, the Vikings are better than 0-3, mm-hmm. you know, or, or in, the, in, you know, just using that number, uh, it feels like they're 1-3 now, you know, it feels like a win was deserved, and that's probably, you know, a little bit more fair. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's frustrating, because we're talking about the quarterback, and I want to love uh, Kirk, but he's hard to love. Um so um, we we know what we have in Kirk, and I, if you give me the opportunity to take a run at uh, Trevor Lawrence or whoever else is going to be available, I think we're going to talk about Trey Lance here yep. in a minute. And uh, it's hard not to say we need to take a crack at it, but uh, the things that, that the you know today when Kirk is in the pocket and he's got time, he looks great, and uh, you know, that's a that's a whole other can of worms. It's like well, if you had the offensive line. Um, which they have never had in his tenure and haven't really had in, in many years, um, we might be having a different conversation. Now, he still overthrew his guys, and there's just certain parts of his game that just are not going to be there, um, and it's clear he is what he is. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm resigned to the fact that they're just not going to be bad enough to get that number one pick. And they I mean, don't just, have a second-round pick next year. What's that? And they don't have the second round pick next and year, so if they want to. So you almost have to, in that regard, you almost want the first round pick to be lower because uh, that's what puts that second round slot lower. Uh, but that's that's getting too deep into it. Yep. Um, you know, I've always approached it, or at least since I've been an adult, I approach it in one way only. It's that I know what kind of pain the Vikings can inflict. Yep. Uh, you know it as well. Yep. So on the 16 Sundays or game days that they're playing, I'm just watching, yep. and I'm going to watch win, lose, or draw, uh, because I still get a lot of enjoyment out of it, and uh, whatever happens, happens. Today, I, I had to do some work, and uh, so I watched the game, didn't watch it super close, but followed the whole thing, and I can live with that. So I, This is the first year 
though, that I can say, like, you know what, whatever happens, happens. You know, normally I'm like, oh, I, I get so much more into it if they win or lose, you know, it, you know, get I'm happier on the weeks that they win and not so happy when they lose. This year it's like, eh, whatever happens, happens because of what, that uh, that carrot that's dangling out in front of them, and that's the quarterback spot there. Uh, there are for sure two good quarterbacks out there in uh, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Trey Lance is another uh, one who is skyrocketing up the boards. I think he threw his first pick of his collegiate career on Saturday against Central Arkansas. And he didn't look great in there, but he did account for four touchdowns. He did run for over 140 yards. College uh, College Game Day did a piece of it on him. I shared it on my Facebook uh, feed. And I have, this is like the ultimate torn, um, I, I, I don't know how to feel about this even more so than the Vikings winning and trying to get Trevor Lawrence or not because that affects like multiple other um, other teams have to be very crappy in order for the Vikings to get that number one spot or have a, tra- a chance to draft Trevor Lawrence. With Trey Lance, he's from my hometown and yet he went to the Bison. So I'm like, yes, I want the Vikings to take him. I'm che- I want to cheer for him because he's from Marshall, but I don't want to cheer for the for a Bison. Uh, I I'm very conflicted about this. this is as much like 50-50 torn as I could possibly be. Um, but I think he's got potential. Um, the level of competition is certainly something, but I think that he has shown more than Carson Wentz has. And maybe I'm biased in that because I want the Vikings to draft uh, Lance or have a shot at him potentially and the fact that he's from Marshall. I'm more impressed with this kid, though, than Carson Wentz, and Wentz sucks this year. So uh, am I drinking too much of the Trey Lance Kool-Aid here? Uh, no, not really. Uh, I... I'm not from Marshall, but I feel a lot of the same ways you feel about it. Um, I'm not as, I'm not, I won't be heartbroken if he doesn't end up with the Vikings because, you know, there's 31 other teams, anything can happen. But, yep, yep. Um, I think that, and I'm, I'm a very amateur talent evaluator. Uh, the elite talent evaluator in our group is Charlie Hildebrand. Everybody knows that. Yep. Um, and so, um, you know, when Carson Wentz came out, I just didn't really get it. Um, I didn't really get him being that high. Obviously, he was good. Uh, that's not a big surprise. And at moments in in his Eagles career, he has validated um, being that, that number two pick. Um, you know, he was almost MVP before he blew out his knee um, in, the, in the year they won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he's not even good, but I... I, I've had the same feeling you have where it's like, I like Lance a lot better than Carson Wentz. And uh, today, you know, I read Daniel Jeremiah talked about uh, watching the game and the five things he took, took out of it. He made, the, he made the comparison basically that, like, people think he's like Dak Prescott and he has potential to be like Andrew Luck. And, and as somebody who does that professionally, if, if we're talking Andrew Luck, um, I don't think you and I are crazy here then. So, yep. um, you know, the NDSU part of it, I don't enjoy it at all, um, <laughs> obviously. Yep. Uh, but um, the fact that he's from Minnesota is is a really, potentially really great part of the story if he ends up with the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if I had somebody from Lee Center that went to Wisconsin and he ended up being <laughs> a great player and the Vikings had him, I, I wouldn't have any problem with that. So, yep. um, or 
Iowa or go down to the list of schools you don't like. So, yep. um, you know, I think uh, if the Vikings are in a position where they have Trey Lance, I would embrace that. And I think that that, um, you know, it, put, it would put pressure on Kirk Cousins, but it wouldn't necessarily pull the plug on him. Uh, and that's maybe not necessarily the worst thing. Now, do you want your rookie quarterback winning from Kirk Cousins? I don't know about that. But, yep. um, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you that um, I would be all right if the Vikings ended up with him. And ke- keep in mind, I'm not saying, you know, if, if you know if the Vikings are drafting 20 or 25, you know, 20 or lower, let's say, they're, they're not going to get him. Like, it's just not, and I'm, it's like, okay, I I would love to see them draft him at that spot, but it's it's very unlikely some other team some other quarterback needy team is going to take him, and that's fine. You know the Vikings. Uh, I don't want to see them trade up and give away tons of capital just to get a guy that we think might be an answer at quarterback, but don't know for sure. But let's say they're drafting eight, nine, or ten. I mean, I think that's a pretty reasonable spot as of now. Where Lance could go, um, so yeah, I agree. I it, agree. And and the other thing I'd like to say about this is that it's it's one of my pet peeves about the draft that, um, and you see it every year where uh, we have like these three guys, just like you're saying, uh, where we've got, um, you know, uh, Fields, Lawrence, and Lance, and yep. we, we think that uh, Lawrence might even be in his own category. Fields is right behind him. Um, and then who knows where you put Lance. If you put him in the same category as Fields, maybe one step down, that's fine. But what bugs me is when we get closer to the draft, and all of a sudden we got other quarterbacks that all of a sudden are jumping into this this category. And it's like, well, if we think that these are the three best guys and they're all top 10 or 15 talents, don't try to talk yourself into somebody else just because you feel like, well, we got to have more quarterbacks or teams get desperate. I don't want the Vikings to get desperate. Mm-hmm. If, if, that, if it doesn't work out to get those guys it doesn't work out. That's fine. This cannot be um, a Christian Ponder draft where they get, you know, you see Blaine Gabbert go and the Vikings reach for Ponder at 12 when they absolutely don't need to. Uh, I think, I don't want them to reach for Lance. I think Lance in a, like an 8 to 10 spot seems reasonable at this point. It, but, yeah, I don't want them reaching for a quarterback. I think, though, they're in a pro- they're probably going to be in a position where they can take him. And if Lance is like the 20 20th or 25th best player and they're drafting 10 or 11 I don't know if I necessarily want them reaching that high for Lance but he seems to be in that category where his his draft stock is rising and the Vikings could be in a potential where it would it wouldn't be in a reach if they if they drafted him yeah and we aren't the ones that are going to make the pick but it's I mean you're you're saying like don't want after the friend yes you got it I think he's got to be done I mean, I just don't see a reason to come back in the no, spring no. here. Yeah, no. Um, and, and they're kind of talking about it in a way where, like, well, he's only going to go if he knows he's going to be a first-round pick. And it's like, don't we know that now? Yes. I, I just don't see him falling out of the top 32, right? I mean, at this stage, um, that just seems impossible. He was so. going to be a first-round pick even without playing against Central Arkansas on Saturday. Right. I, so. And like you said, he didn't play awesome. He played uh, good enough, and the... Had a couple, he had a fumble, he had an interception. Um, you know, who knows? I, it, hopefully, just for his sake, uh, he doesn't have scouts just blowing out that one game and, and making it everything. And they do look at what he did in his redshirt freshman season, which is pretty amazing, even at the FCS level. And 
and hopefully gets the opportunity to show what he's got, whether that's the combine or somewhere else. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't see any benefit for him coming back next year and, nope. or at least in the spring, you know, because it, it sure looks like the Valley's going to play uh, starting February 20th or so. So um, it'll be interesting to watch that. And that for him, I, I think it's it's got to be, you know, pro football is on the horizon. Yeah, I, I don't. He's not going to play in the spring. There's just no way. I'm even surprised he played uh, on Saturday. But yeah. It, it'll be interesting. We'll keep following along. Uh, but I always appreciate the time that uh, you give me in the, in the podcast during the hockey playoffs. Uh, I'm sure we'll be chatting soon. But thanks, as always, for the time. And uh, in, enjoy the rest of the Viking season if we don't talk before then. All right. Thanks, Dakin. Thank you, Marcus. Marcus Traxler from the Mitchell Daily Republic. We always appreciate his time on the podcast. Great stuff there. He's in the same boat with me on the Trey Lance thoughts. I'm in the same boat with him on the comparisons between the Twins and the Wild. Oh, Minnesota sports. Oh, thou heartless bitch. Did I say that? I didn't mean that. Oh, it's cruel, though. It really is. Uh, We'll wrap up this week's edition of the podcast with some picks. And uh, uh, with a look back at week four in the NFL hit by COVID and we'll make some picks for week five of the games that we are that are scheduled as of now but are likely to change that's coming up here as we wrap up this week's edition of the sports block podcast we're going to wrap up this week's edition of the sports block podcast as we always do during football season look back at the previous week in the nfl and make some early picks for the following week go back to week four thursday night it looked like a terrible uh, game between the Broncos and the Jets. It was actually fairly entertaining. Sam Darnold runs for a touchdown right away, but the the Jets defense couldn't stop. Um, uh, who is it? Brett Ripien. Brett. I mean, it, his uncle played in the in the Super Bowl for Washington, right? Was an MVP? I don't know. Either way, uh, rookie got the start. Did well. Did well enough for the Broncos to get their first one of the season. The Jets remain winless, and they are terrible. What a bad team. On Sunday, then, we go Carolina Panthers. Even their record up to 2-2 two two impressively with a win over the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray did not play well in this game. A lot of short passes, and the Cardinals' offense looked terrible. They should not have lost to the Lions, and you you got to beat the bad teams. The Panthers are not a good team. The Cardinals woefully um, under show, uh, did not... It's just a woeful performance. They need to play better. Fortunately, they get the Jets next week. So we'll see how that goes. The Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow gets his first win as a Bengal. They take down the Jaguars, 33-25. Burrow, again, over 300 yards passing in this one. Joe Mixon, 151 yards on the ground. Two touchdowns also had a receiving touchdown. Game of the week, Cleveland at Dallas. Cleveland rushes for over 300 yards, needed every one of those yards as Dallas, down 41-14 in the fourth quarter, rallies to make it a three-point game. It seemed like it was a Falcons comeback all over again. Odell Beckham runs it in on a reverse from 50 yards out. Browns win 49-38, improved to 3-1 on the year. The Cleveland Browns, 3-1. Dallas drops to 1-3 and quite frankly, should be 0-4 if uh, the Falcons hadn't botched the not, that onside kick. New Orleans spotted the Detroit Lions for, uh, 14 points early on. And uh, stop me if you've heard this one before. The Detroit Lions blew a double-digit lead. Yes, they did. 
Saints then score the next 35 points. They hang on to beat the Lions 35-29. A precarious uh, week for the Saints went their fullback testing positive for COVID. Didn't know if the game was going to happen. It was a false positive. They were able to play. They win 35-29. Russell Wilson travels with the Seahawks to Miami and doesn't really miss a beat. He doesn't. Did he throw for over 300 yards? Yes, he did. Uh, two touchdowns, one interception. Seahawks beat Miami 31-23. Miami kept moving the ball down the field, but could only settle for only settled for field goals. And the Seahawks improved to four and Second time in team history that's happened back in 2013 is the other time. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings, as we talked about earlier, uh, beat the Houston Texans 31-23. Uh, the same score as Seattle Miami. Uh, the Vikings uh, lost Harrison Smith in the second quarter uh, uh, due to a he got ejected for a hit to the head. Uh, but Dalvin Cook ran for over 100 yards. Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen each had over 100 yards receiving. The Vikings defense hung on. Uh, Will Fuller drops a touchdown pass uh, at the end of the game that could have gotten the Texans uh, with a two-point conversion to tie the game. They do not. The Texans remain winless. And uh, breaking news, they have fired Bill O'Brien. So there's that. We'll have more reaction to that probably next week. Baltimore gets uh, back on the winning track after that dreadful performance against the Chiefs last week. They beat Washington 31-17. Lamar Jackson didn't look great in this one, but better than against the Chiefs. And the Ravens improved to 3-1. Washington now has lost three straight. The the Chargers, the L.A. Chargers, Justin Herbert was playing great. They, quite frankly, were shocking, I think, a lot of people, including the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady. Up 24-7 late in the second quarter. 48 seconds to go. They should have just taken some knees because the Bucs only had one timeout. They tried to run it. Rookie running back Joshua Kelly fumbles it. The, the Bucs recover it. They throw a touchdown, cut the lead to 24-14 going into half, and the Bucs would keep that momentum up in the second half. Brady throws five touchdowns. He did throw a pick six, but the Bucs beat the Chargers 38-31, and I have to imagine the Bucs still could have won this game. But if that fumble doesn't happen at the end of the first half, if it's 24-7 going in half, I feel like the Chargers win this game. Uh, in fact, that seven points at the end was a difference maker. So there's that. The L.A. Rams, very unimpressive performance against the New York Giants, but the Giants have no offense, and the Rams were able to beat the Giants and keep them winless 17-9. The most exciting part in this game was uh, Golden Tate, Giants wide receiver, and Jalen Ramsey, Rams cornerback, going at it post-game. Punches were thrown. Uh, apparently, Jalen Ramsey and Golden Tate's sister had a relationship, have a couple of kids together, uh, so some bad blood, bad family blood spilling over after the game. Josh Allen, magnificent performance once again. Two passing touchdowns, ran for another one. He helps lead the Bills to a 30-23 win over Raiders. And hands the Raiders the first their first loss in Las Vegas. Bills are 4-0 for the first time since 2008. Josh Allen on the short list for MVP so far this season behind Russell Wilson, quite frankly. I mean, he's just played remarkable. We'll see if the Bills can keep it up. Uh, dreadful game in Chicago. The Bears switched from Mitchell Trubisky to Nick Foles during the week and were promptly rewarded with 11 points. Nick Foles did not play well. The Colts' defense is very good, but Foles did not play well as the Colts beat Chicago 19-11. to Just the sort of game we all wanted. A shocker in the Bay Area, despite all the injuries that the 49ers have had, the Eagles suck. 
Uh, they, they, they just do, but maybe they're back on the winning track because they beat the 49ers 25-20. to 20. Carson Wentz played well. They th- he threw a touchdown to a, a guy they just called off of the practice squad. So that's significant. George Kittle came back for the 49ers, had uh, over 180 yards receiving, 183 yards and a touchdown. So welcome back. But, you know, and you have Nick Mullins. It just doesn't always uh, get the job done. Uh, hopefully Jimmy G comes back soon for the 49ers. But the Eagles win 25-20 to for their first one of the season. Now they're in first place in the NFC East. That's how bad the NFC East is. They made two games Monday night uh, because the Chiefs-Patriots game got pushed from Sunday to Monday due to Cam Newton's positive COVID test. Uh, no uh, Chiefs had a practice squad quarterback, but no one else tested positive on either team. It wasn't pretty. Uh, the, the Chiefs were up 6-3 to at halftime. Brian Hoyer for the Patriots gets sacked at the end of the first half rather than throwing it away. The Patriots did not have any timeouts. It should have been 6-6 at the half. That's a mistake on Hoyer. He took another sack in the third quarter and fumbled it uh, with the Chief, with the Patriots in the Chiefs' red zone there. Um, and ultimately, uh, there was a pick six by the Chiefs in this game. They prevailed 26-10, a big win for them to go 4-0. They are the first NFL team in history to go 4-0 four consecutive seasons. I don't see them slowing down anytime soon. And then the Atlanta Falcons are just dreadful. Uh, they Their secondary has been ravaged by injuries. Aaron Rodgers took full advantage of that, throwing four, th- four touchdowns, three to tight end uh, Robert Tanyan. And the Packers beat the Falcons 30-16. Julio Jones leaves the game in this one after re-aggravating his hamstring injury. That's not good news for the Falcons moving forward. Those are your week four games. Again, Tennessee-Pittsburgh uh, was postponed because of COVID stuff that uh, rearranging. They will play in week eight uh, or week seven. Baltimore and Pittsburgh will play in week eight. Baltimore's bye moves from eight to seven. Week 5, let's make some picks here. Uh, It starts Thursday night on Fox. We finally get rid of the NFL Network bad games and get a decent, a good one right out of the gates. Tom Brady and the Bucks against whoever's starting at quarterback for the Bears. I would imagine it's going to be... um, I would imagine... I just do. Like It just seems that that's the way it goes. Um, But we'll see. Uh, the Bears have a good defense, but it, we'll see what happens with the Bucks wide receivers because Chris Godwin didn't play last game. Scotty Miller's been banged up. Uh, Mike Evans has a bum ankle. We'll see how many weapons Tom Brady has to throw to on a short week. That could prove to be uh, troublesome for the Bucks, but uh, we'll take them to beat the Bears. Then on Sunday, Las Vegas Raiders at the at the Hall of Famer. Uh, the Hall of Famers home stadium, uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Derek Carr says he's sick of losing. He's going to keep saying that after this week because the Chiefs are going to steamroll over the Raiders. They didn't play well against the Patriots. Nice bounce back game against the Raiders coming up. Philadelphia Eagles at the Pittsburgh Steelers, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. Eagles were impressive last week, but the Steelers are a different team than a banged-up 49er squad in Pittsburgh. In the Battle of Pennsylvania, I'll take the Steelers to win. Arizona Cardinals at the New York Jets, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. If not, now when, Cardinals? I mean, you got it. You lost to the Lions inexplicably. A bad performance against the Panthers. The Jets suck. You have to beat the Jets. Kyler Murray, need a big game out of you. Let's go. Taking the Cardinals. 
Carolina Panthers at the Atlanta Falcons, 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on Fox. I honestly have no idea what to, to say about this. I think the Falcons should win, but the Panthers have been playing really well as of late. Don't know what the injuries are like for Atlanta. So let's ride with the with the, the Panthers uh, because if Julio Jones isn't playing, I mean, the, the Falcons are banged up. Uh, we'll take Carolina for the win over Atlanta. Cincinnati Bengals at the Baltimore Ravens, 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on CBS. Joe Burrow, uh, hope you enjoyed that win. It's not coming this – another one's not coming this week against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. It's just not. Uh, the Ravens uh, – I wonder if Lamar Jackson is going to press B again with a wicked spin move. He did that in Cincinnati, though. He didn't do it in Baltimore. Either way, Ravens win. Buffalo Bills at the Tennessee Titans, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. A battle of undefeateds here. Hopefully this game gets played. COVID concerns, but so far, you know, a couple straight days with no positive tests for the Titans. They should be able to reopen their facilities on Wednesday. They've been hanging by a prayer. Uh, I'm curious to see how how they look. It's been a long time off. Their routine's been taken out of whack. Josh Allen and the Bills. I mean... I, the Titans have won three games thanks to Steven Gostowski. Uh, we'll see if that's the case this time around. I believe the Bills beat the Titans 14-7 last year in Tennessee. It's not going to be quite that low scoring this time around. Uh, much, many more points, but the same result. I think I'm, I'm taking the Bills to beat the Titans. Jacksonville Jaguars at the Houston Texans, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. Bill O'Brien gets fired. Is this the wake-up call the Texans need? The Jaguars looked so good the the first two weeks of the season, not so good the last two weeks. I think the latter continues. I'll take the Texans to take down the Jaguars. Uh, L.A. Rams at Washington, 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on Fox. Sean McVay heads back to D.C. where he was an offensive coordinator. Lots changed since then, uh, but what hasn't changed is Washington sucks. They still suck, and the Rams uh, will win. It won't be pretty. But the Rams will get the job done and take down Washington. They will be done with the NFC East after week five. Four of their first five opponents were against NFC East opponents. Uh, interesting note there. Miami Dolphins at the San Francisco 49ers, 4.05 p.m. Eastern, 3.05 p.m. Central Time on Fox. It's time it's the Dolphins' turn to fly cross-country after welcoming the Seahawks last week. Uh, they'll have a long flight home because the 49ers should get a few more guys back. And they're just better than the Dolphins taking the 49ers to beat Miami. Uh, New York Giants at the Dallas Cowboys, 4.25 p.m. Eastern, 3.25 p.m. Central Time on CBS. Why this game is still in this time spot, I don't know. I get that it's the Cowboys and they're America's team, but the Giants are dreadful. The Cowboys should have no issues. I get the Cowboys have a lot of issues and demons right now, but they have, should have no problems getting by the Giants. Indianapolis Colts at the Cleveland Browns, 4.25 p.m. Eastern, 3.25 p.m. Central Time on CBS. A battle of 3-1 teams here. The Colts' defense has been stellar here uh, so far early going in the season. They don't have to worry about Nick Chubb, so imagine we'll see a heavy dose of Kareem Hunt for the, uh, for the Browns. At home, I'm going to take the Browns. It's a close one. I don't feel good about it. Uh, we'll see what the Colts can do, but... Uh, defensively, but the Browns right now, they're rolling. Their confidence is high. Take them. Uh, Denver Broncos at the New England Patriots, 425 p.m. Eastern, 325 p.m. Central Time on CBS. It does not... I would imagine Jarrett Stidham's going to start if Cam Newton can't. Uh, Denver? Yeah? 
I don't I don't see back-to-back wins coming for them. I'm going to take the Patriots here. And then Sunday Night Football, Minnesota Vikings at the Seattle Seahawks, 8.20 p.m. Eastern, 7.20 p.m. Central Time on NBC. Another trip to Seattle, another primetime game for the Vikings at Seattle. We know that that doesn't spell success for them. And with the way Russell Wilson's playing right now and those rookie uh, cornerbacks that the Vikings have, it's going to be a long night for them taking the Seahawks to crush Minnesota. And then Monday Night Football, L.A. Chargers at the New Orleans Saints, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. We'll see if this game gets played. Hurricane Delta, a monster hurricane right now in the Caribbean, going to keep moving up the way to the Gulf and slam Louisiana, potentially. That's the forecast right now. We'll see if this game is played. But uh, I think the Saints, regardless of when this game gets played, they will take down Justin Herbert and the Chargers, who, um, yeah, Especially if Michael Thomas plays, which I hope he does. Come on, Michael. I need you for fantasy. Um, Got to take the Saints here. Packers and Lions on the bye. Those are your week five picks. Uh, for official picks and predictions, go to the stackattack.sportsblog.com. Uh, link uh, we'll have the pod, we'll have the blog posted on Twitter and Facebook on f- our Football Friday posts, complete with predictions and um, previews as well for all the games. Hope you enjoyed this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. A lot to talk about. There's a lot that's going on in this country, both um, both sports-wise and non-sports-wise. Uh, precarious times here. Uh, we're closing in uh, on the end of 2020, finally. Hopefully 2021 is better. We still have a few months to go. Um, special shout-out. Happy birthday to my brother. And, uh, yeah, uh, hopefully things... I just don't even know really what to say right now. It's uh, the world we live in. My, oh, my, oh, my. But uh, hopefully you liked the, you you enjoyed this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast, as always. Uh, for Travis and Marcus, I'm Nathan. Next week we'll talk some college football, uh, talk, more foot, uh, talk more Vikings, talk more postseason uh, baseball. We'll see if we've crowned a champion uh, in the NBA. We'll get to it all. So again, for Travis and Marcus, I'm Nathan. Thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Oh, by the way, Twitter feed, at Marcus Traxler, at Travis Krins, at uh, ND Stacken. Um, there you go. So again, for all of those involved, for all of the guests, and for yours truly, I'm Nathan Stacken saying thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast, and we hope you tune in again next week. For another edition. Stay safe, mask up, don't catch corona. Talk to you next week on the Sports Block Podcast.